Welcome to the SureDog Radio Network preview for UFC 286, Edwards versus Usman 3. I'm your host, Ben Duffy of SureDog.com. With me, as always, is Keith Schillen, the executive producer of the SureDog Radio Network. Keith, how are you doing today? Uh, doing good, man. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. There was a little bit of a pause before you affirmed that you were doing okay. I think it's probably because <laughs> you're looking ahead to a very busy fight yeah. week to the point of just almost intimidatingly packed. And on top of, of it, of course, is the uh, NCAA wrestling tournaments yeah. going on. So, yeah, so I... I get super excited for fights. Like I'm, I, I always try to remember back in the day when we'd get a UFC event every three months or something. So, um, I, I'm, I'm not gonna complain, but having two pay per views in the same month, fifteen fights on this card. Um, I mean, these, what are they thinking? Like that, you know, like asking fans to pay what seventy five bucks twice in the same month, two weeks. Like, yeah, that's a lot. They should have, they should have made this free. Yeah, I'm, I'd be down with that, especially since it's in Europe. It's at a weird hour for the UFC. I yeah. completely agree. I mean, it's a lot. If I were just the average fan, I don't know if I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm shelling out 160 bucks this month for, you know, UFC events. It's going to be more than like my phone bill and my car insurance put together to like watch what the UFC is going on got going yeah. on I, but i try not to complain because i, I still I'm, I'm still gonna enjoy watching fights absolutely uh having said that what's your general of impression of this card going in like what's your pre-event grade um i give it a c you know obviously i'm scoring this you know if i said hey uh, i give a fight night a, a b plus uh, you know i'm fighting on a scale oh this, and if this, this if this were a free card, A plus. You've got oh, of course. Yeah. two of the top fifteen yeah. uh, pound for pound fighters in the planet at the top of the card. Like, I, I feel like it's very top heavy. Like the top two fights are really good. The the rest of the card, there's some good prospects and, and things I'm excited about. And but I mean Brian Barberino on the main card. Come on, I'm I'm with you there. And honestly, the the sheer size of the undercard here. And the quality of it, it makes it feel like a Bellator European undercard where they're going to jam as many Europeans in there as possible, regardless of name value. Got some yeah. debuting people that they're just going to get lost in the wash. I, I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Kind of like a Bellator undercard. The best we can hope for is that some of these are mismatches and we just get quick slaughter and, and can kind of move, move through these uh, on yeah. the way to the meet at the top of the card. This is going to be a long show, guys. We apologize. It's going to be a long one. It's 15 fights. It's 15 fights, but, you know, we're, we're going to try to come in under our current record, which is like three hours and 50 minutes or whatever. So let's let's jump right into these prelims, if, if you don't mind. First up at UFC 286, at least as the card is currently constituted, is a women's flyweight matchup between Juliana Miller and Veronica Macedo. Miller, the 26-year-old Californian, is 3-1 in her mixed martial arts career. She is 1-0 since joining the UFC out of the 30th season of The Ultimate Fighter. She made her debut last August at UFC on ESPN Santos vs. Hill, where she uh, frankly kind of mauled Brogan Walker on the way to a late third-round TKO on the ground. She will be looking to make it two in a row against the returning Macedo. The 27-year-old Venezuelan by way of Poland, by way of France, uh, she's trained in Europe for, for a good while now, is 6-4-1 overall. She is 1-4 in the UFC, 
And she has not fought in almost exactly three years. Her last uh, fight was back in March of 2020 at UFC Fight Night. <laughs> Lee versus Oliveira. All you need to know about how long she's been gone is that the last time she fought in the UFC, it was a card headlined by Kevin Lee over Charles Bronx Oliveira. Uh, where, yeah. she, where she dropped a unanimous decision to Bea Malecki in one of the most hilarious size mismatches ever seen in a UFC fight. Since oh, we then, have, we might have one on this card too. <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll, we'll get to that one. But uh, since then, she's been gone for three years and for good reason. She had several fights uh, canceled because she had lingering concussion symptoms. She officially retired and she was trying to make one comeback like in 2020. And it was right around the time COVID started. And between that and her, again, uh, having trouble with concussion protocols, that was canceled. But it's been three years since we've seen her. In the meantime, she's married Dan Hardy. Uh, here she's coming good back. Good for Dan Hardy. Good for Dan, Dan Hardy. She's a good-looking woman. She is a good-looking woman. Dan Hardy is an outstanding analyst, but he is definitely marrying up in this case. Uh, so so yes. good on you, good on you, Dan. Making out like an outlaw. The, like the outlaw you are. At any rate, Macedo... I don't know how medically advisable it, it is. I'm mildly surprised to see her back, but here she is. And oh, Jesus. she I is. Feel bad. I feel bad for the kid. You got mom with a bad head, dad with the bad heart. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> uh, but she is definitely being brought along as, if not a full on sacrificial lamb, at least a bit of a setup opponent for someone in Miller that the UFC clearly sees stars around her head. As Miller is minus 425 here, Macedo plus 300. Keith, when I said this felt like a Bellator Europe undercard, this was the kind of fight I'm talking about. Juliana Miller is definitely more prospect than finished product at this point, but she, yeah. I mean, she, she is a very good grappler. Um, you know, not not a whole lot of on the mat distinctions just because she crossed over to MMA fairly early. But uh, like she's shown good grappling on tough as well as in, in her few fights. She's a big, decently athletic flyweight and she has star power. She has a little bit of that Ronda Rousey thing. And I'm not saying she's going to be Ronda Rousey, but where Ronda had the combination of being kind of big and smiley and effusive on the mic, but then like just mean face in the cage to, to the other women. That's very much Juliana Miller's jam. And right now, if the UFC wants to bring her along and let that star power develop, they need to give her opponents that are going. I mean, it's almost like the way the UFC has to match Patty Pimblett, you know, people who aren't going to punish her for her mistakes on the feet and are going to give her a ground fight if she needs it. And that's Veronica Macedo all around. I mean, she's, She's one and four in the UFC. And in hindsight, her tapping out Poliana Viana in a minute is one of the most aberrant outcomes in UFC history because she's had problems on the ground elsewhere. Uh, against Ashley Evan Smith, she was like going for like Imanari rolls constantly and sliding for knee bars yeah. against a not very good fighter. And she ended up get, getting mashed on the ground. <laughs> she tried to do it to Bay Malecki, too. Yes, tried doing it to Bea Malecki, and she survived just because Malecki isn't that good either. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, she got tapped out by Jaleen Robertson, which, again, Robertson's just a better ground fighter than, than she is. Uh, this is this is tailor-made for Juliana Miller to shine. I mean, if Miller wants to come out with, like, throwing wild haymakers and, and kicks and stuff, like she often does, Macedo's not going to be able to punish her for that. And... 
if things go adversely for Mercedes, her instinct is to try desperately to bring it to the ground, which plays right into Miller's uh, territory as a bigger, better grappler. Uh, I think this is a super, super squash match. I don't know if Macedo is back for good. I mean, she still is only 27. So if she's got a clean bill of health, I don't know, you know, where she goes from one and five in the UFC, but I think she's going to be one and five in the UFC at the end of the day on Saturday. Give me Miller by second round submission, though she could get a TKO on the ground as well. Uh, yeah, this is um, this is an interesting. I'm surprised this is the first fight of the night, um, being that Miller just won the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, Miller's a high volume striker. I actually think I like her striking better than than you talked it up. Uh, I think she's got a nice jab. Uh, she will eat a shot to land one of her own, um, which you know obviously is not good for the long term. But she's got a strong chin, strong Muay Thai clinch game. She gets in there. Um, and she she can work though uh, she did get a, a little bit muscled against uh, Clara Guthrie, who I actually think is actually a pretty pretty good fighter herself. Uh, but she, she likes to battle the clinch. Uh, she got some pretty good pummeling skills. She had a nice foot sweep on the on the Ultimate Fighter finale. Uh, she's a BJJ practitioner, good top game, hard ground and pound, good back takes. Uh, she can ride a little too high and lose position. I don't like, but um, she's hit some beautiful submissions on on, on the on the ultimate fighter. Uh, if she's taken down, she attacks with subs off her back or she likes to throw elbows or something. She was landing some mean elbows. Uh, if she, I also like that she can, like she knows when there's an opening to work back to her feet and she can fight hard all 15 minutes and she is a submission threat. Uh, Macedo, she's 27. Like you said, three years off. Uh, I like that she's moving back down to 125. Uh, she moves well on the feet, uh, kind of have a get-in, get-out style, some fast hands, mixes kicks and combos well. Throws kind of wild, though. A lot of looping outside shots, almost overthrows her shots. She keeps throwing out, like, spinning attacks for no reason. She has this taekwondo backstop background, so she likes to throw Holly Holm side kicks. But the worst thing I saw in her in her last fighting against Bay Malecki, besides the size difference, is how badly she gassed out. She gassed out about one round of action. Uh, she's a weak defensive wrestler. She struggles to get up on bottom. Um, I mean, yeah, she did hit that beautiful armbar about against Pollyanna Viana, but I think it's more like, you know, you uh, hit the jackpot every once in a while when you put in a coin. It just happens. Macedo mm-hmm. uh, probably has the power advantage, but I like Miller everywhere else. I think she gets some flurries on the feet. I think she hits a takedown or two, beats her up on the ground, and eventually gets a submission. So I'll take Miller by second-round submission. But it's funny that you talked about um, – her dealing with a concussion. I actually, there, here you go. I'll give you one. I've all finished. I'll give you one story time. I actually worked a science fair. I was security for a science fair today. It was all about the brain. And there was uh, doctors and, and scientists. And I was definitely the, the dumbest person in the entire building. But um, <laughs> there was like actual brains. You could pick up a brain. Like they had like people who donated their brain after they died. And, and uh, there was a robot. They had one of those things where a guy was missing an arm and he put, put the arm in his brain can make the arm move. And it was really, really fascinating. Uh, but I actually talked to somebody who had like a whole booth on brain injuries. And we talked about concussions and MMA and how dangerous it is. So uh, yeah, I guess I'm an expert on the topic now. So uh, it yeah. makes me more feeling good for Miller. So you told that guy he should check out power slap, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was actually a woman. It was actually a woman. Wait, way to be sexist there to think that a woman can't be a scientist. A woman can absolutely be a scientist. I just I don't think any women like MMA, so I'm surprised that they talk to you about MMA. Like yeah. only guys like MMA. 
Well, it was more like, hey, if you're listening to this, Ben said that, not Keith. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, how raw is your town that a science fair needs like cops? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are, are people so throwing weird. down in the parking so, lot outside it's the so science weird fair? That they did a science fair in Pawtucket. And dude, you wouldn't believe there were like the two head scientists of this. The one was a university. They, they had a people from Harvard. Like, it was, it was big time. Um, but they had a Brown University professor and they had uh, Roger Williams, which actually I graduated from. Yeah. And they were like, there was a whole bunch of professors. Those are the two ones who were in charge and put it on. And they were both were young ladies and they were both were absolute dime pieces. Wow. Like, absolutely. Like the one from Roger Williams. I literally said to her, like, right for you. So I'm like, you're a professor? <laughs> and I, she's like, yeah. And I go, she was, I mean, she was smoking hot. I just said, fuck it. I was feeling good. I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, I never had any professors like you. And I was there. I'm like, I would have studied a lot more. <laughs> you know? and she like laughed. Like she was cool. Next up on the UFC 286 undercard is a lightweight matchup between Jai Herbert and Ludovic Klein. Herbert, the 34 year old Brit, is 12 and four overall. He is two and three since joining the UFC as the outgoing Cage Warriors lightweight champ. He fought most recently in July at the second UFC London card of last year, where he took a unanimous decision over Kyle Nelson. That allowed him to get back on track from a, a pretty rough knockout loss to Ilya Taporia last March at the first UFC London card of 2022. Uh, he'll look to make it two wins in a row, bring his UFC record to 500 against Klein. The 28-year-old Slovak is 19-4 and four overall. He's 3-2 and two in the UFC. He is coming into this fight off of back-to-back -back wins. Uh, he won twice last year over Devontae Smith at UFC 272 in March, where he picked up a split decision, then picked up a well-deserved unanimous decision over Mason Jones in July at that same UFC London 2 card. Coming into this fight, Klein is the slight favorite. He's minus 170. Herbert plus 135. Keith, uh, lightweight is a super crowded, super competitive division. Even if a couple of other UFC divisions have kind of caught up to it. But, you know, you can do a lot and still be just kind of hovering around 500 in the UFC because there really aren't many uh, easy outings. Who takes a step forward here and who takes a step back towards obscurity? Yeah, this is this is a tough matchup. This is this is I like both of these guys. Um, Herbert, he, he's a really good athlete. He moves well. Uh, he likes to fight from distance. Good jab. Throws straight shots down the pipe. Uh, I like when he's inside. He he mixes it in like slicing elbows. Uh, he's got power in both hands. I mean, he dropped Francisco Trinaldo. He knocked out Kama Worthy. Uh, he needs to learn to check leg kicks. I mean, his last fight against Kyle Nelson. Nelson had a lot of success against him with leg kicks. Uh, we think about him as a striker, but he's a really underrated wrestler. Uh, he has some good back, slick back takes. Uh, he uses his long legs to body triangle, uh, which I like. He's a weak defensive wrestler. I mean, I go back to like the Moicano fight where Moicano took him down easily, but that that's also like a big step up to competition. Uh, and, and we do have to worry about his chin a little bit. I mean, he was he was knocked dead by uh, Taporia. Uh, Klein, he's he's a also a South poor. Um, Oh, actually, well, well, Herbert switches. I'm sorry, but um, Klein definitely is, is more southpaw. Very athletic, moves well, technically sound, fast hands, uses feints really well. Chris jab. Uh, I love his fade back left hand. It's really beautiful. 
Uh, I'd say a plus power guy. He he gets really good power because he of his foot placements. He's always winning the foot battle. Um, he dropped Mason Jones with like a little short shot. He can land kicks everywhere, strong calf kicks, hard body kicks, crushing high kick. Uh, he, he's inconsistent on the ground, though. Like, he looked terrible against Mike Trezano on the ground, um, you know. And and then he showed good defensive wrestling skills against Devontae Smith, against Mason Jones, two guys that I, I like better than Trezano. So um, I like both guys. If I'm Herbert, I'm trying to get this fight to the ground. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to be able to, and Klein has, he's, he's grown on me. Uh, I think he stuffed some takedowns. I think he's worked on his ground game too. I think we've seen that in his, his recently. Um, if, if he lets his hands go, he's really sharp. I think he'll have some success with the calf kicks. Give me Klein by decision. Yeah. I, I like your breakdown of their skills a lot. I, what I found encouraging about Klein's win over Jones is through his first four or five UFC fights, win or lose, uh, he still had that feeling of somebody who had gotten by on the regional level just by being skilled and athletic and being able to wipe people out with head kicks. And he didn't, I mean, he had great individual skills, but oftentimes didn't seem to have a better idea than throwing some kicks and kind of waiting to see if he could take his guy out with, with a single shot. And ultimately in the UFC 145 or 155 pound division, that's just not going to carry you very far unless you're Brian Ortega. Um <clears throat> But kind of like Brian Ortega, uh, Klein against Jones, he seemed to have more ideas. He was a little more persistent when things didn't go his way, uh, threw more volume, and he looked like a round winner all of a sudden. And, you know, like if you can be a guy who can win rounds and be looking for the instant finish, that makes you really dangerous. Uh, because of that, I'm leaning towards him as well because uh, – Herbert, like you said, like he's he's been TKO'd and he's been just like flat out one shotted uh, in the UFC in his last couple of fights, and that's something the client could absolutely do to him. Uh, if Herbert leans on his offensive wrestling, I think he can probably you know control Klein for two rounds out of three, win a really close decision. But I think it's more likely that Klein, if if he doesn't get the finish, at least hurts him bad in one round, kind of changes the course of the fight and. Uh, and takes control. So I, I'm going with Klein by decision as well, but if we get a spectacular finish by him, I won't be too surprised. We head back now to the women's flyweight division for a matchup between Joanne Wood and Luana Carolina. Wood, the 37-year-old Scott by way of Las Vegas, is 15-8 and eight overall. She is 7-8 and eight since joining the UFC out of the 20th season of The Ultimate Fighter, she is currently riding a three-fight losing streak, uh, those being a split decision loss to Lauren Murphy back in June of 2021, a first-round submission loss to Tyla Santos in November of 2021, and almost exactly a year ago at the first UFC London card of last year, another first-round submission loss, this time to Alexa Grasso. She will attempt to get back uh, or get out of this hole against Carolina. The 29-year-old Brazilian is 8-3 overall. She's 3-2 since joining the UFC out of the first season of Dana White's Contender Series Brazil. She lost her last time out. It was at UFC London 1 of last year in March where she was finished by your knockout of the year or 
knockout of the year contender, the spinning back elbow by Molly McCann. Prior to that, she had been on a two-fight winning streak over Poliana Botelho and Lupita Godinez. So uh, she will also be looking uh, to get back into the win column. She is not favored to do so. Wood, minus 190, Carolina plus 155. Keith, I got to admit, when I saw that Joanne Wood was on this card, I was like, oh, did she come out of retirement? And then I realized that she had not retired. I just, I assumed after her third straight loss that she had kind of quietly retired, and she never did. Uh, (laughs) On on the one hand, Wood has lost three in a row. She's lost five of her last seven, but the people she's lost to are literally Valentina Shevchenko's last five title challengers. Alexa Grasso, Tyler Santos, Lauren Murphy, Jennifer Maya, Caitlin Chikagian. Yeah, that's a good crew. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, she is like that's she is what crew. she is. But, uh, here, this this looks and feels like the UFC trying to get you know the the UK fighter a winnable fight in the UK. She is almost a two to one favorite, but is this the fight where Joanne Wood reminds us that hey, I'm a good fighter, I'm just not top five, or is this where the UFC is going to have a rough uh, decision. Like, do we cut, cut this woman loose? Yeah. You know, you know, the most surprising, even more than Joanne Wood still fighting is that you, did you say Carolina has a three and two record in the UFC? Yep. If you gave, you know, if you, if you, if you gave me a guess that she had a winning record, I would have, I would have guessed she was like four fights under 500, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that's surprising. She's three and two. Well, it's because her losses were so spectacular. Like they each feel like five losses, like yeah, getting knee barred by Ariane Lipsky and getting iced by Molly McCann. Yeah. Are just, those, they those stick out, man. They're yeah, bad. bad losses. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, you said once about Derek Brunson, like he loses badly, but he he doesn't have a bad loss. No, no, yeah. those those are both. Those are like, yeah, <laughs> those are bad losses, and they lost bad, you know, in a bad yeah. way. Um, Joanne Ward, it, it's just, it's really hard to trust her. I mean, you, you made a joke about her, you know, not being retired or everything. She's thirty seven years old, and she just she's so much older than I think she is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because she has like a eight-year-old girl voice when she talks, but um, I just I don't expect her at 37 to suddenly improve. Uh, she's a Muay Thai striker. She's got some high output. She works behind a jab. Uh, she's always lacked power, though, um, if, you know, punching power. It, if she gets to the plum clinch. She can battle in there. Uh, she will actually look for a takedown every once in a while, but she's definitely not a wrestler by any means. Throws a lot of kicks. That's the best part of her games. Calf kicks, tons of teep kicks. That's like her go-to. What she's most known for, um, we'll turn it on the side for a body kick, you know, to the ribs and a high kick. But she has a lot of defensive holes. She stands up really tall. She pulls her head straight back. Her defensive wrestling is really bad. I mean, like I go back to like, Andrew Lee took it down three times. Alexa Grasso took it down two times. She's a bunch of other fighters who took it down at least once. She also struggles to get back up, and she's, you know, I talk about Teep Case being the strength of her game. Her Achilles heel is her. her her submission defense. I mean, she's been subbed by everybody. <laughs> Maya, Andrade, Morose, uh, Santos, uh, Rose Namunis, like everybody subs her. Yep. Now, Carolina, she's long and lengthy. She uses her length to work from the outside. She's also like a very Muay Thai style fighter. Straight punches down the, down the pipe. Long jab. A lot of those like Volkov, like tall, tall man throwing the teep kicks down the middle to keep your distance. More, more of like pushing them back 
Uh, she has some hard leg kicks. She She's good in the plum clinch where she can kind of use her height to get a hold of someone, kind of grab that back of the neck and clinch on, on uh, blast knees inside. But she is a terrible, terrible defensive wrestler. Um, and we've seen that. Other than like Lupi Godinez, like being up to her, her knees <laughs> in height, like every, everybody else is, you know, if you're close to her size, like Joanne Wood, you probably could out wrestle her. Um, well, then she got knocked out cold by a spinning back fist by Molly McCann. So, you know, I'm always worried when someone returns from a knockout, like how their chin's going to be. Uh, this is kind of the style matchup that both fighters would probably prefer. You know, they, they both like to work a distance kickboxing match. They like to clinch fight. Uh, I could see Wood going for some takedowns because as she does want a, a outside kickboxing match, I don't know if she wants to go against someone as big as Carolina, who's, you know, um, it would be the smartest route for Wood. But I'm going to go the opposite way, man. I'm going to go with the size difference. I'm going to pick Carolina in an upset. I say the team kicks bother Wood. I say she lands the hardest shots. I say that she uses her size to maybe stop some takedowns and, and, and God, I hope she's improved a little bit on her takedown defense. Give me, I would say Carolina by split decision. Yeah. You stole my thunder. Uh, there are a lot of things at play here. Obviously, you know, I, I had no justification for believing that Joanne Wood had retired or assuming somewhere in the back of my mind, but the reasons I probably thought that were I mean, they all stand and are still valid. I, you know, she's on a three-fight losing streak, even if it's against very good fighters. She is 37. Her own path back to a, a title shot is so... I mean, it's so long and winding that at 37, you, you almost have to throw your hands up. I mean, we, we talk about, you know, on Sean Shelby's phone, like how many names do you have to scroll through? Even if you are, like... You know, even if your your entry is on the speed dial alongside John Wood, like the head of Syndicate yeah. MMA, you're sp- <laughs> like he's not even getting to his name. Like jo- uh, Joanne might be just got deleted from the phone. Like she might not be in there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Sean Shelby might get to like like John Wood's name first and be like, "Can you get Roxanne Modafferi to unretire?" I've called thirty five people. Like I, I, <laughs> um, I, I think it's it's valid to question her motivation. Uh, a year removed from her second first round submission loss in, in a row. If she is motivated, I mean, Carolina is a huge step down in competition from those women, but my gut says that Wood will be the same fighter as she was a year ago, or maybe a little worse version where Carolina might still be a better fighter than she was a year ago. And I would have considered this fight more or less a push a year ago. Uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, both of these women have some porous takedown defense it would be interesting if Wood decided to turn this into a wrestling match, but uh, give me Carolina to win a striking battle at distance, maybe mixed with some ugly groundwork. And again, you know, that'll be, that'll be four in a row uh, for Ms. Jojo. You know, she's, she's not retired, but like they own a gym and it's a very successful gym. Yeah. Like, just, just let John teach the classes and be the head coach. And she could, she could they could be like a little kitchen area where she's making protein balls, you know, little protein balls for the fighters. She could make some of those. And or she could like with a kid's class, the, the mom brings in the kid for the kid class and she could come in being all sweet and then give him a little tour, you know. I mean, she could teach kickboxing there. I mean, she, there, we don't have to throw her straight into the kitchen just because she no. lost a few fights in the UFC. I, figured I was trying to match your sexism. You already went sexist. I'm uh, going the other way. 
I mean, well, we could be sexist and bigoted. Maybe she can make some haggis or something, you know, because she's. <laughs> the hell is haggis? It's it's this it's the Scottish national dish. It's like this disgusting, like sheep stomach, like stuffed with all its internal organs and stuff. Next up, the men's flyweights take the cage as it is Jake Hadley versus Malcolm Gordon. Hadley, the 26-year-old Birmingham native, is 9-1 overall. He's 1-1 since joining the UFC out of uh, the 2021 season of Dana White's Contender Series and as a former Cage Warriors flyweight champ. He dropped his UFC debut to Alain Nascimento by decision last May, came back in November, and triangled Carlos Candelario in the second round. He will look to make it two in a row against Gordon. The 32-year-old Ontario native is 14 and 6 overall. He is 2 and 3 since joining the UFC as a former TKO flyweight champ uh, up in his native Canada. He lost his last time out. It was at UFC 280 where he got armbarred in the third round by super prospect Mohamed Mokayev, who appears a little further up this card. Prior to that, he had won back-to-back fights over Francisco Figueredo and Denise Bondar. Odds here do heavily favor the Brit. Hadley is minus 360. Gordon plus 240 on the comeback. Uh, Keith, how high were you on Hadley as a prospect coming into the UFC? And how do you feel about him now? Yeah, I would have put him at like a B. Like I wasn't, you know, he definitely shows some promise. I wasn't, I wasn't calling him, you know, this huge superstar like, like Mikhaev or something like that. But yeah, I, I think he looked like a good prospect and he's looked better each fight. Like he, the Nascimento fight, he made some mistakes. He kind of adjusted to that in his last fight. So um, I definitely feel higher on him now than I did coming into the UFC. So that's uh, that's good. Hadley, uh, he, he's a southpaw that he uses pressure so well. I mean, his last fight, he fought at an insane pace, constantly taking the ground, constantly cutting off the cage, trapping his opponents at times, very tight, clean boxing, stiff jab, great variety in the strikes, constantly mixing it up. Um Body work was a real big thing for him, which you know I love. He does have this weird, like, pillaring thing where he does where he kind of keeps his right arm across his body. Um, but, you know, that can keep his opponents from, you know, when they punch, he can catch his elbow and, and actually break the hand. Uh, the, the negative part of it is he does leave his body open to get to get countered. Um, he he does back up straight up on the center line sometimes, which I don't like. Um but his, I mean, going back to some of the positive, his kicks really impressed me. He really turns his hips over, especially when he's like ripping to the body with a kick. He can wrestle. He's got some strong top game. Looks to advance position on the ground. I would say he's a weaker defensive wrestler, and that's because of his very aggressive style. It kind of walks him into entries. But he's, he hits the ground. He he's he's doing his yoga. He's doing his yoga with Adrian. You know, shout out to her. Not that I do my yoga, but flexible. <laughs> Uh, I'm just trying to put that so we can put that in the notes to get some more, <laughs> some more clicks. <laughs> um, uh, good subs, good subs off her back. Chain, chain submissions together well. Uh, he did he hit Mitch proposal with a Gogo Plata, which you know that's a knowing, knowing old fighter. So take that what it's worth. Uh, he does struggle to get off the bottom. I mean, he was pinned to the canvas against Alan Nascimento, but his last fight that wasn't that wasn't the case at all. Now. Uh, Malcolm Gordon, he's I'd say he's a good athlete. He, he also fights a lot of pressure, very aggressive on the feet, fast hands, plus power. Uh, he he has taken a lot of damage though. Like he's he's not that old, or not like he doesn't have like gazillion fights, but he he seems like he's a more of a veteran than he than you know as long as he's been around. Like he's 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 been tacked a little bit. He's 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 you know, um, 
he can wrestle. Uh, it isn't definitely isn't anything special there. If he gets to fight to the canvas, um, it, it's it's you know leaves something. He trips him down. He doesn't really explode through. He kind of has a grinding mindset where he is committed to get it there. He's a submission threat. He's got six subs. Uh, he usually wins by just outworking his foe and, f- and finding a submission and an opening. But he's a weak defensive wrestler. Uh, as far as prediction, Gordon's actually a tough test. Gordon, Gordon's a gamer. Like he's a bit of an overachiever in that, like Gerald Mershaw type guy, where you know the things he does doesn't jump out to you, but suddenly he's still in the fight, deep into the fight. I mean, he gave Mikhaev like he got beat up, but like there was moment he had moments against Mikhaev. Um, he kind of puts him in the position to win. Uh, I expect him to try to wrestle a lot. Uh, but I'm still leading Hadley here. He's the better overall fighter. He's definitely the better athlete. He, I shouldn't say definitely the better athlete, but um, he has more weapons, I should say. Um, I like his volume to get Gordon to eventually tag him up and maybe even get a stoppage. Uh, I'll say Hadley gets him in the third round. I'll say he gets a submission. Yeah, I'm I'm with you here. I, I like uh, Hadley's improvement from fight to fight. I think Gordon, for the reasons you mentioned, Probably is what he is. He is a 20-fight veteran at this point who's been fighting at a pretty high level across the, the top end of TKO and in the UFC for, for several years now. He does overachieve a bit, but I don't expect him to make any huge leaps uh, in, you know, in, in performance or in skill set at, at this point in his career. And in fact, it's probably due to start dropping off eventually. He's a 32-year-old flyweight that, as you mentioned, has gotten dinged up in a good number of his fights, whereas Hadley is improving and probably will continue to for, for a while now. Gordon overperformed against Mikhaev because he came in as a gigantic underdog to Mikhaev. Uh Hadley doesn't have quite the same prospect shine, but for all I know, Hadley will turn into just as good a flyweight in the UFC eventually. Uh, give me Hadley in a, in a pretty dominant decision here as well. Next up at UFC 286, it is the middleweights as Christian Leroy Duncan joins the UFC and faces Dusko Todorovic. Duncan, and it's going to get confusing because we have a Christian Duncan and a Chris Duncan on this card, and they're both debuting and they're both British. Just bear with us. We'll, we'll keep them separated as best we can. Uh, Christian Leroy Duncan, the 27-year-old Englishman, is a perfect 7-0 in his mixed martial arts career. This will be his debut. He is joining as the outgoing Cage Warriors middleweight champ. Uh, he fought most recently back in November, knocking out Marion Dimitrov late in the first round to defend his title. Uh, he'll be greeted in the octagon by Todorovic. The 28-year-old Serbian is 12-3 overall. He is 3-3 three and three since joining the UFC out of the third season of Dana White's Contender Series. He won his last time out. It was a second-round TKO of Jordan Wright uh, at UFC Fight Night Grasso versus Araujo back in October. Prior to that, uh, he had gotten knocked out late in the first round by Chidi and Jokowani. So he'll be looking to make it two in a row. Duncan will be looking to keep his record perfect. Odds slightly favor the Brit. He is minus 180, Todorovic plus 150. Uh, I'm as excited for Christian Duncan to join the UFC as any of the debuting people on this card. He is a lot of fun to watch. It, it'll remain to be seen whether he it, it stays fun when he faces UFC-level middleweights, but he was fighting pretty decent competition in Cage Warriors, and you know he's an orthodox kickboxer who throws lots of kicks, hard kicks, 
loves his flying spinning stuff. But, you know, what I want to see out of anybody that's a highlight reel kickboxer on the regional scene is how they deal with wrestlers. And he deals with them pretty well. I mean, he has a pretty basic sprawl and underhooks, like kind of crow cop style to get two underhooks and shove his man off that has worked so far because he's a big guy. He's strong. He's athletic. So he he's good at getting his hips out of uh, out of the way. And he has that thing that I've talked about on our show for years where half of takedown defense is making the other guy pay for trying. And then Laura Sanko knocked it out of the park a couple weeks ago in her desk debut where she just said, you have to advertise the price of admission. Uh, I like that. Christian Duncan knows you want to take him down and he advertises the price of admission. He greets uh, shots with flying knees. Uh, when people try to you know, get a single or a double against the fence, he's throwing the Travis Brown elbows or throwing hammer fists and just making it miserable to try and take him down. Uh, I like all those things. Uh, now, in this particular fight, I doubt Todorovic is going to try to take him down. Todorovic comes from a kickboxing background himself. He clearly fancies himself a kickboxer, and he's been a pretty good one at the, the UFC level. I mean, he's, he's three and three, but other big hitters have crushed him. Chidi and Jokowani leveled him. Puna Soriano leveled him. Uh, you know, he... He finished Jordan Wright, but I think Christian Duck is probably already a better fighter than Jordan Wright. Uh, uh, I'm always a little nervous picking a 7-0, 27-year-old striking specialist coming in against a more veteran fighter who will be at least his own same size. But I like Duncan as a prospect, and I'm going to ride this train until, uh, you know, until it pops off the rails. Uh, give me Duncan by second round TKO. And I'm predicting that he's probably going to like punish Todorovic into trying for takedowns before it's over. Uh, yeah. Um, Todorovic, he's a guy I've said this before. He was a guy that I, I really liked coming off the contender series. And I, I, I think I just read him wrong. I, I don't think he's as good as I thought he was going to be. Um, I'm kind of giving up on him. Uh, he's a southpaw. He can wrestle and strike. Like he's he's well rounded in the sense. Like he shows a little bit of both. Um, I, you're much higher on his striking than I am because he just has major defensive holes. Um, he he can't stop like a left hook. He, you know, offensively he's, he works behind a jab. He does work the body, which I like. Definitely a plus power guy. Uh, he 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 relies on slipping and ripping. Which is an issue considering he keeps his chin high in the air. And you mentioned it, like Chidi and Jaguani crushed him for it. Puna Soriano crushed him for it. Um, he's a big guy. Like, you know, that's the thing that stands out. He, he can get in the in the clinch and grind in there and wear on him, uh, especially if he initiates the clinch in the offense. Uh, he's a good wrestler, some inside trips, some throws. Uh, but I was surprised that he couldn't stop takedowns. From Jordan Wright, and he was easy, he, like he was easily taken down, and he was mounted by Jordan Wright, which is obviously really disturbing. If he gets on top, he can control and hold down. He does work to a better submission uh, position. He has some submissions on his record, which I like. Now, uh, Christian Leroy Duncan, he's also a big guy for the weight class. He's extremely athletic, moves really well, can fight out of both stance, constantly changing the stances too. Faints well. He's fast, good power. Does unnecessary spinning attacks like he was, like he did one his last fight we did this like jumping wheel roundhouse kick and I was like what the hell was that um, 
does some back fit, spinning back fist. He likes to work from distance. He and he does he does really well to hand fight and kind of get to his range and get to it pretty quick because of that hand fighting. He hates being pressured though. Uh, he also does for a good kickbox that stands a little too tall for my liking, uh, but he throws a lot of kicks. I like his teep kicks. I I agree with this. From what I've seen, his takedown defense has been strong. He does have a submission on his record, but I haven't seen too much of him on the canvas, so I don't have a lot of confidence there. I, I've given up on Todorovic. He has just too many defensive holes. I just I just I don't think he's that guy. And Duncan is too fast. I think he hits too hard. I, I say he lands a big shot early, and I think he gives the crowd this British crowd, exactly what they want. I think he knocks him out in the very first round. Give me Leroy Duncan, their first round TKO. All right. Two strong picks for Duncan to wow the crowd and keep his undefeated record undefeated. Our next bout at UFC 286 takes place in the men's featherweight division where Leron Murphy will welcome Gabriel Santos to the UFC. Murphy, the 31-year-old Englishman, is 11-0-1 overall. He's 3-0-1 in the UFC after fighting to a strange split draw with Zabira Takugov in his debut back in September of 2019. He's rattled off three wins in a row over Hikardo Hamos, Douglas Silva the Andrade, and Makwan Amarkani. The most recent of those, the Amarkani fight, was a second round, uh, like kind of flying knee or step-in knee knockout. That's the good news. The bad news is that that was uh, over a year and a half ago. It was back in October of 2021. So uh, returning from a fairly lengthy layoff is Murphy. He had been scheduled to take on Nathaniel Wood, but Wood a couple of weeks ago gashed his knee horribly training. Like he was rolling on the mats and there's apparently some wood molding, ironically, that uh, he skidded across and the picture circulated on social media, but it looked like he had had major surgery. Like he had a horizontal cut across his patella that had like 13 big stitches in it. It, it, it looked like he'd had some sort of surgery that was going to keep him out for the rest of the year, but it was just a cut. At any rate, uh, Wood is out. In comes uh, Santos, fresh off of winning the LFA Featherweight Grand Prix. Uh, 26-year-old Brazilian is a perfect 10-0 in his mixed martial arts career. He fought most recently uh, at LFA 151 back in January, where he put away uh, Jose Delano in the third round with a body punch. Uh, he steps in, and he's actually not too much of an underdog here. Murphy comes in at minus 175, Santos plus 145. Keith. I feel like LeRon Murphy is really, really good, but I can't prove it. Tell me whether I'm wrong or right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he's good, too. Um, <laughs> I hope Nathaniel Wood gets better. I just imagine some old man someone somewhere saying, like, oh, back in my day, we would have fought with that. You know, these, <laughs> this new generation, you know. My thing uh, is, how can you have a major gym with, with that kind of hazard just out there? <laughs> I don't know. Get get Joe Edward to to get on top of that. Get move some, yeah. get some rugs over there. Or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's good. the interior decorator of like uh, <laughs> MMA gyms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Murphy. He's one. He, he hasn't been very active, so it's it's hard to really get excited about the guy. But when he has fought, he's he's elusive fighter. He moves well. He can fight out of both stances. He's good technical striker. Sets up his attacks really well. With feints. A uh, little bit of boxing, shoulder rolls, things going on uh, to avoid shots. He fights behind a jab. Uh, he actually doubled up, which I like. Uh, he's accurate. He can overthrow his power shots a little bit, leaving it open to counters, which is something I think he needs to clean up. 
Uh, I like that he goes to the body. That's a big part of his game. Like, we'll step in and throw some hard hooks. Good kicks, hard kicks to the body, calf kicks. He will wrestle a little. Um, he doesn't have a submission on his record, but he, he did almost catch Tukagov in the guillotine. I mean, that was a while ago. Uh, if he's on top, he's got some mean ground and pound. I mean, he knocked out Ricardo Hamos with ground and pound. Uh, he needs to improve his takedown defense a little bit, though. Uh, and he, I mean, he couldn't get off the bottom against Tukov. Um Early on against Americani, he couldn't get up, which which was an issue. But I love how he made an adjustment. He was extremely intelligent in that Americani fight where he knew Americani was looking for takedowns, so he fainted a punch and then threw a knee and timed it perfect and knocked out Americani. Like, that was something, honestly, that's something Petrion should have did in, the, in his fight against Marab Devashvili. Well, uh, he only I, had 22 or 23 chances. Right. So <laughs> well, he only had 49 chances. Yeah. You know. Um he, he did gas out a little bit in the Maricani fight. Um so uh, that's one thing I don't like. Now Santos, uh, he's a stalking kind of opponent. He constantly switching stances, a little bit unorthodox, a little bit herky jerky style. Uh, but he's got good volume, high volume. He's a counter striker where he he likes to like slip his, his slip in the counter with his a strong left hand. Uh, a lot of straight, good straight shots. I also like that he's another guy that works the body. I mean, his last fight, he finished with a body shot. Uh, a lot of kicks, though he does throw him naked, and he's going to get blasted by someone because of that. He's a builder. He's it, it, As the fight goes on, his volume continues to rise. We saw that, especially in his last fight, where he was getting stronger and stronger as his opponent started to fade away. He will shoot for takedowns, but he's not a wrestler. He's, he's one of these guys. Um, he reaches for takedowns, and he also he shoots with his head down, which kind of, once you get sprawled and you know, forces you underneath and down um, where he's kind of shooting down instead of into the man's hips. Uh, but he's a submission. There. He's got a lot of submissions on his record. I'll say this about this fight. The deeper the fight goes, the more I like Santos, uh, especially if he can get some takedowns early and make Murphy work. But M- Murphy's good on his feet. I, th- I think he lands some good shots as Santos is marching forward. I think – I'm with you. I think Murphy's good. I think Murphy catches Santos early. I want to say Murphy wins by first round knockout. Yeah, I, I I was looking for kind of upset value here or routes to victory for Santos. And and to me, I'm I'm exactly with you. They all they all kind of hang on this fight being competitive going into the third round. Well, hang on the fight making it to the third round and and still being competitive at that point. Uh, Murphy is running out of time to make a serious run at featherweight. I mean, he's been gone for, again, you know, a year and a half. And even before that, he was kind of a once a year fighter at best. Uh, you know, thir- you know, 31 year old. It's like, I-, I-, I had hoped he would have done more by now. But anytime he's out there, I still like him against most fighters outside the top 15 at 145. He has a lot of offensive tools. Uh, and I do think he's going to be too much for Santos here, even if Santos as the younger guy has more eventual upside. Uh, unless Murphy's seriously declined. I'm with you. I, th- I think he punishes Santos on the feet. And if Santos decides to go for a desperation t- takedown or a calculated takedown, uh, Murphy has absolutely at this point advertised the price of admission to, to, to his hips, uh, you know, like just ask Amir Khani. So uh, give me Murphy by, by first round knockout as well. Next up on the UFC 286 prelims is a, another men's flyweight matchup. This one featuring Mohamed Mokayev versus Hafel Filio. 
Mokayev, the 22-year-old Dagestani by way of Manchester, England, who will be fervently and enthusiastically and loudly greeted as a native son when he walks out to the cage, is 9-0 with one no contest in his mixed martial arts career. He is 3-0 since joining the UFC as a standout from Brave Combat Federation. He fought most recently at UFC 280 last October, where he knee-barred Malcolm Gordon in the third round with actually just like 30 seconds left on the clock to keep his uh, to keep his record spotless. He will look to make it four in a row in the UFC and will look to mint himself as one of the promotion's brightest rising stars against Filio. Uh, the 29-year-old Brazilian is 14-2 and two overall. While this will be his UFC debut, uh, he fought on the Contender Series last September where he knocked out Roybert Echeverria in the first round, and he is also a longtime veteran of Shudo Brazil, though he never did quite make it to the title. Odds here are as wide as you will find on this card as Mokayev is a whopping minus 800 favorite, Filio plus 500 uh, on the comeback. Keith? It scares me that they keep rolling out this 21, 22-year-old kid as like minus 800, minus 900 favorites because even though Mokayev is one of the new breed of fighters that by the time he turns pro has a long amateur history and has been training in MMA, you know, from, from his teens, that's still a really young guy that's prone to make him a mistake and run into the kind of opponent who can make him pay for it. And so going into this, I kind of rewatching Mokayev, getting more familiar with Filio. I, my thought was, okay, what are some of the mistakes Mokayev makes? And are they things that, that Filio has you know, shown himself to be capable of taking advantage of or punishing him for? And I actually think Filio is pretty good, but I don't see it. And part of the problem is that, Filio does more silly stuff that isn't going to fly in, in the UFC than Mokayev like ever has <laughs> a perfect case in point is on the contender series. You know, he won, it punched his ticket to the UFC, but butt scooting, butt scooting is not going to work for you at the UFC level. Uh, you're going to need to check leg kicks better than that. Like we're talking about a fighter who, even though he won, had to be carried from the cage because uh, like his leg had been wrecked by leg kicks. He's Filio. I mean, he's he's an athletic guy. He's aggressive. He's a whole hell of a lot of fun to watch. But Mokayev is going to punish this dude. Uh, Mokayev, he's gotten a submission in the UFC. He hasn't had any knockouts in a while. Give me Mokayev to drop Filio in the first round and probably have to dive in and like finish him on the ground. So give me Mikhaev by TKO ground and pound in the first round. But Mikhaev is going to like make me look silly for questioning the eight to one odds here. Yeah. I mean, Mikhaev, I mean, he really is an elite prospect. When we talked about uh, Hadley before being, you know, a prospect, I give it B. I mean, Mikhaev's like, he, he's, a, he's right. He's, a, he's an A prospect. He's, he's a true blue trip guy. He's, he's uh, one of the more dazzling pure athletes in the UFC right now. He, well, he's one of the guys when I think about people and, and we predict guys that could win UFC titles. And I, I always like to put that like thing out there when, when we say something really good, like he could be a champion one day, but it's one of those like, yeah, I'm not pick, picking that. Like he, I, I try to say like, oh, he could be a top 15 guy. And that's that's really impressive. You're saying there's 15 guys in the world that he's oh, – I shouldn't say world because obviously outside of UFC. But you get my point. Like, yeah. all right, fine. Top 25 guys in the entire world. Um, Mikhaev is one of those guys where I will say like he could be a UFC champion. Like he's he's that 
the ceiling's that high for him. He's a high volume striker who's very technically sound. Uh, everything comes off of feints where he can draw something out, then he counters very fast hands, slip and rip style. Uh, I love that he just slips just out of range so he can tag his foes with his own counters. I love that he targets the body. Uh, he can get in the pocket and he can really crack. I mean, you go back to, um, well, you know what? <laughs> and he's extremely athletic. Like, go to like the, the Cody Durden fight where he hits his flying knee. Uh, great wrestler. He's one of these guys that he can explode right through your hips on his entries, take it down. Um, I mean, I've seen, we've seen him hit suplexes so far in the UFC. He does need to control his top and slow down a little bit when he's on the ground. He rushes submissions, and we saw that um, against Malcolm Gordon. I think some of that might be he has so much confidence that he – I don't want to say he looks past guys, but he he just expects to be able to do these things to guys, which uh, it can be a really good thing, but, you know – it gets him in bad position sometimes. Uh, he has a submission threat. He has five subs on his record. Uh, and despite getting – this is going to sound really like ironic. I actually thought he was slowing down a little bit against Malcolm Gordon, which is surprising despite getting a third-round submission. Um, Filio um, faints well. Uh, tends to be a little bit of a low-output guy, but when he does attack, like he kind of waits and waits. But when he does attack, he throws combinations, mixes in like high and low attacks, goes to the head, goes to the body. Uh, he throws naked leg kicks, which I don't like. He's also open to leg kicks. Like he was getting kicked a lot in his last fight. He likes to grind in the clinch. Uh, he will look for a takedown, but he definitely isn't a wrestler. More of like a get in there, body lock, grind on you. Um, he kept doing like a uh, a slide by from the clinch and trying to like get to the back. And, and he backpacked a couple times. He's got eight submission wins and, and some slick back takes. That's his route to victory. Like get a scramble going, maybe catch a submission, but. Man, I think Mikhaev is going to clown on him. I, I say Mikhaev batters on the feet. I think Mikhaev seems like he has a little bit of John Jones in him where he wants to go into where U.S. will speak right at, where I think he could go in for takedown, and he dogs him from on top, ground and pounds him. I say Mikhaev gets a second-round TKO from ground and pound. All right. Two picks for Muhammad Mikhaev to keep the, at least thus far, very well-justified hype train rolling. The UFC London prelims soldier on with a lightweight matchup between two debuting fighters. It is Sam Patterson versus Yanal Ashmas. Patterson, the 26-year-old Englishman, is 10-1-1 overall. He fought most recently on the Contender Series back in September where he uh, choked out Vinicius Sensi in the second round, earning him a spot in the UFC. Meanwhile, uh, Ashmas, the 27-year-old Israeli, is a perfect 6-0 overall. Uh, he fought most recently almost exactly a year ago, and it was actually in that other prospect show. It was a PFL Challenger Series where he took a unanimous decision over Dennis Hughes. Uh, he either was not offered a PFL contract, uh, maybe they're just looking for killers over there, uh, or, or either that or declined one, but in either event, it's been a year, and here he is in the UFC. Odds here heavily favor the towering Englishman as Patterson is minus 270, Ashma's plus 210. Keith, uh, Sam Patterson cuts a rare figure. Uh, I don't know if this is the fight you were talking about where there was going to be a, a noticeable uh, <laughs> yeah. height difference. Yeah. Uh, he's 6'4". He's a 6'4", lightweight. And, I mean, once upon a time, 6'4", lightweight meant Corey Hill. Like, you know, yeah. do you have enough calcium in your bones to... Yeah. to how, how tall is James Vick? 
James Vick was like six. Uh, he was only like six one or six two, but oh, he, he was so he seemed huger because he was like so he wasn't skinny. Yeah, he was thick too. Yeah, yeah, it was like the like Ryan Span or Johnny Walker thing. Was like, George, wasn't George Roop like a one forty five hundred? He was like six, six one. He George Roop was a six one guy that eventually made it down to one thirty five. Oh, and Jesus. dude, he looked yeah. like he belonged in a concentration camp. Like just nothing but cheekbones, collarbones, and hip bones. It was terrifying. Uh, and he got knocked out yeah. bad at 135. Uh, um Sam Patterson, he's 26 years old. He's this crazy long, lengthy footage. You mentioned six six foot four. He's a bit flat-footed. Uh he uses feints well. He doubles his jab, which I like. Straight shots, which is obviously a smart thing for guys as long as him, especially his straight right is really good. He does have like he's not a thick. We just we were just talking about James Vick being a thicker guy. He's not thick like that, but he has like this tall man's power where um, he hurts on, on shots that. And I think it happens because guys, uh, he, you get hit further away than when you're like you're ready to like exchange. Uh, he does throw a lead uppercut, which I hate, uh, and he's going to get blasted for that. He stands tall with his chin high. He throws naked leg kicks. These are all things going to be – he's going to get knocked out bad one day. Uh, he, I mean, he was briefly hurt in a contender series. Uh, he looks to for takedowns, but the, he gets in the clinch. Not a strong wrestler. He's more wine on you. He's a weak defensive wrestler. But if he's on top, I like his I like his his grappling. He's a, he's a heavy top pressure guy, submission threat. He loves his guillotines. Uh, Asmos, he's 27-year-old. Uh, can fight out of both stances. Great output. Uh, gets to the pocket. He's he's a pocket boxer where he throws everything hard, hard hooks, hard kicks, hard calf kicks. Uh, <laughs> he throws a lot of high kicks. I don't think that matters in this fight, uh, but he throws that pretty quick. Uh, he's a very physically strong guy. You can see that um, in his physique, but also the way he fights. Um, uh, he can wrestle. Um, I, I for a guy that's you know. You know, uh, short fire hydrant guy he gets in there and he gets the inside trips, gets in the clinch. Um, I should throw in one thing here. Anyone who's watching this on YouTube, if you're looking at our sure dog fight finder entries beneath, uh, here, you'll see that Ashmo's is, is listed as 510. I'm kind of dubious about that. I think he's probably more like 5'8 or 5'9, and in either event. Patterson is going to look like literally twice as high, but yeah, just keep that in mind when you look at this, you know, like I have the feeling that Ashmo's is shorter than we have him listed. Like he, he looks like a short burly guy in, you know, in the cage. Anyway, that's like the that's like the guy you know who's like five foot four, and people ask him how short he is, and he's really short, but he's got to like lie. Like I'm five six. Like do you get a five six? (laughs) All right, so you know, Ashmo's the the bad Tinder date of UFC fighters. <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got to put a couple phone books uh, underneath him when he drives. Um, so he can wrestle. I, I, I like that he, was, he does a lot of inside trips, which actually will work pretty well against a, a taller guy. Um, good top control, hard, mean ground and pound. And um, if he's taking out a good getup game, um, so I'm going to go against my best better judgment and. You know the huge reach advantage, the huge height advantage. Says being in the guy's home country, this is you know seems like better on the betting odds. This is a setup fight for Patterson. I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna go with an upset. I'm I'm not high in Patterson. I don't like his defense. I don't like. I mean, his, I like his offense strike. I hate his defensive striking. I think he can get tagged. I think Ashmith gets inside. He's gonna have a hard time getting Patterson down because you know it's like you lift a guy up and he's still on his. 
on his feet. That, that's tough. But I think he's going to get like three takedowns. I think he's going to hold him down and, and ground a pound. And I think he's going to win his decision. So I'm going to go with, a, a, I guess, a pretty big upset. I'm going to go with Ashmus by decision. Uh, somewhere in the back of my mind, I know you're right about this pick. No, no I'm not. <laughs> in, in, in my defense, when Ashmus does exactly that, like just know that I knew you were right. But I am going to go with the favorite here. Uh, like, you're right. Like all of Patterson's bad habits on the feet, he's just going to run into some wrestle boxer that's going to take him down once. And then the second time, the guy's going to fake a level change, hit him with an overhand right, and put him to sleep for three weeks. Like that's that's exactly that's what's going to happen. Stephen Stu style, like yeah, yeah, like that. That's going to be Sam Patterson's first UFC loss. Is going to be something like that where he just needs smelling salts because some you know decent UFC lightweight just did exactly that to him. And Ashmos could, but I, I haven't seen enough from him to you know to 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 predict that here. As it is, like Patterson, he's always going to have takedown defense problems that come from having like a 46-inch inseam. Uh, you know, when, when you're all legs and you aren't especially fast on your feet, it just it's easy for guys to get in on your hips. His typical mode of defense for that is to grab a guillotine, and when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. When it works, it works. I mean, he's got three or four guillotine submissions in his career. Most of them are for in, from intercepting people, you know, uh, coming in for takedowns. And my gut says that's what happens here, actually. Like, give me Patterson maybe even to lose the first round, you know, to to get taken down or to get clipped on the feet. Uh, but to tap out Asmos in the second round, you know, with, with a guillotine, either in, in reaction to a takedown or just from the clinch, do the tall man, I'm just going to slip my arm over and attack, you know, proactively with a guillotine, and uh, he, he'll get his sixth submission win. Yeah, I thought about that. I thought that was a, of a big possibility. I love how we're both hedging our bets here because we are not not confident. (laughs) Next up on the UFC 286 prelims is a lightweight matchup between the debuting Chris Duncan, the other Chris Duncan, and Omar Morales. Duncan, the 29-year-old Scott, is 9-1 overall. This will be his UFC debut. He fought twice on the Contender Series. He was there in 2021 where he got knocked out in the second round by Vyacheslav Borshov. He uh, came back in 2022, last August, and knocked out Charlie Campbell after a wild one-minute, 43-second fight. That was enough to get him signed to the UFC, where he will be greeted by Morales. The 37-year-old Venezuelan, who goes by Venezuelan Fighter, which it doesn't have a whole lot of sizzle as a nickname, but it is at the least literally accurate. He is 11-3 and overall. He is 3-3 and since joining the UFC out of the 2019 season of Dana White's Contender Series. He has lost two in a row, uh, and they've both been pretty rough. He got uh, tapped out in the second round by Jonathan Pierce at UFC 266 back in September of 2021. He came back last May at UFC Fight Night Home versus Vieira and got knocked out in the second round by Uros Medic. So he'll be looking uh, to get back above 500 in the UFC, this fight is dead even money. Both gentlemen out there at minus 115 or minus 110, but a, a straight pick them uh, depending on which outlet you go to. Chris Duncan, when I said that this undercard feels like a Bellator Europe undercard, maybe the reason is that Chris Duncan is on it and he's actually a regular of Bellator Europe undercards. Uh, he's a lot of fun. But I'm just not sure he's UFC material. I mean, he is 
a striker by preference. He's a striker by training. He's a knockout artist on regional scenes and like low level Bellator fights. But the two good strikers he fought have schooled him. I mean, Slava Borshov knocked him out. And against Charlie Campbell, yeah, he got the knockout, but it was almost a like Pete Sell versus Scott Smith thing where Campbell, like that, like a more twitchy ref would have stopped that fight about three different times in the first 90 seconds. But Duncan survived, stumbled, tumbling all over the place. Campbell teeing off on him, and uh, Duncan got in one perfect think, right hand, just short right hand, because Campbell came exactly like uh, Pete Sell just came in for the finish, like chin up in the air, arms out. Duncan crushed him, and, and the fight was over. That's not a replicable route to victory against UFC level uh, lightweights. And while he isn't top shelf, Morales is at the very least a UFC level lightweight. Uh, that makes me happy because at least he's not trying to be a UFC level featherweight anymore. Uh, I mean, the guy has fought at, at uh, featherweight as well as lightweight in the UFC. And he's he's just not built for featherweight, especially as he pushes 40. He is a big, like powerfully built guy. Um He's very strong. He's not terribly athletic or fast moving or fluid. You know, I think of him as kind of a plotter. He's kind of basic on the feet. And like he is what he is what he is. Like I, I don't see any top 15 top upside for him in at 145 or 155. But he's he's definitely the kind of guy that can punish Duncan for coming in uh wild and looking for a knockout and I'm picking him to do so here. Uh, give me Morales by second round TKO, just by, you know, being more composed, more sound, actually probably having more one-shot power, even though Duncan has like a pile of, of knockouts in, in his career. Just, I, I I think if Duncan is going to be a UFC level fighter, he, he needs a serious retooling of his approach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this fight sucks. Um, now the sense like it won't right. be, and we'll move on to the next fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know what? Let's do this. <laughs> Who cares about my analysis? Like, I, I don't need to break down the same thing you just said. Uh, I, I didn't like this fight. I was gonna say I was gonna take whoever you didn't take just for like I I'm I think Morales is done. I really do. I, I don't think he, he his output has continued to slow down, which was kind of was his thing before. He's still a power puncher, and he could start somebody. He can wrestle a little bit. Uh, Duncan is just all power shots. I like that Duncan throws a lot of kicks. So even though I said I'm not going to give analysis, I'm, I'm doing it. Just not, I'm going off my memory instead of my notes. I do like he throws hard. Uh, you mentioned it. He was hurt. He showed a lot of heart. But I'm going to go with Duncan just because I was going to say whatever Ben didn't take. Uh, and but if why I'm taking Duncan, he 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 can he can crack. But also, if someone doesn't get hurt, I know Duncan's going to have the volume. Like he's going to throw a lot. So I'll go with the younger guy. Uh, and yeah, give me Duncan. I'll say I'll say he catches him. I'll say he wins my second round knockout. All right. Uh, we have some disagreement. I think it's not very, it's, hey, it's, it's not vehement disagreement, but we'll know by the end of the second round which of us was right. Next up, and at least as the card is currently constituted, the top prelim of UFC 286 is a featherweight matchup between Jack Shore and Maquan Amerkani. Shore 
the 28-year-old Welshman is 16 and one in his mixed martial arts career. Uh, he is five and one since joining the UFC as a former bantamweight champ in Cage Warriors. That one loss actually came in his last outing. He got uh, arm triangled in the second round by Ricky Simone last July at UFC on ABC Ortega versus Rodriguez. So he'll be looking to come back from the first loss of his career and standing in his way will be Mr. Finland, whom Ireland claims as his own. The 34-year-old is 17 and 8 overall. He's 7 and 6 in the UFC. He lost his last time out and in fact has lost 4 of 5, but uh, he got knocked out in the second round by Jonathan Pierce at UFC Fight Night Blades versus Aspinall. Again, uh UFC uh, London 2 of last year. So he's kind of uh, hanging on life support as far as his UFC run goes, and he is not favored to help himself here as Shore is one of the biggest favorites on the card, coming in at minus 500, Amir Khani plus 350. Keith, we've talked a little bit quite recently about how fighters react to their first career loss. We talked just last weekend about... Alexander Romanov, you know, coming back from the first loss of his career and looking just flat, disinterested, unprepared against Alexander Volkov. In the recap, I kind of alluded to Ronda Rousey, where clearly, you know, her first, first loss broke something in her. She only fought one more time and then left the sport forever. Jack Shore does not strike me as the kind of guy who is going to react to his first loss that way. I mean, he's always been kind of serious and business-like coming up. He never seemed to buy into his own, uh, you know, never seemed to buy into his no. own hype coming up, which is why he was probably even a little unsung for a guy who yeah. was 16 and 0. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and he had some tough fights along the way. I mean, he's, he faced adversity even before he actually lost a fight. So I don't think we're going to see any, you know, psychological meltdown here. And even if he had one, he might still, it might still be enough to get past Amarkani. Uh, I mean, tell me how you see this fight and how much shine, if any, Shore has lost for you. Um, I'll say this. I, obviously, when a guy loses his first fight, it always takes a little bit of shine off a guy um, because it's 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 hard to see a guy lose until you've seen it. You know what I mean? Or I should say hard to imagine a guy lose. Uh, I remember when I watched that fight, it wasn't that I was down on Shore. It was more like, wow, like, Ricky Simone, like what a performance! Um, and in that division, it, you know, it's so deep. Your your rise, it's it's so unheard of to, you know, continue to rise breaks without taking a loss, especially when you're going against killer after killer after killer. Uh, I like Jack Shore. He's he's definitely he's not the greatest athlete, but he's he's very intelligent. He just he knows what he's good at, and he just goes to it. What do you think of Shore's decision to move up to 145 here? Do you think it was the right move? And you know, do you do you think he? I don't know. I don't know because I think his size was an advantage to him fighting, especially because of his style. Uh, but he also is a guy who who, who depended on cardio. Um, I don't know if it's a reaction that needed to be done. Sometimes the guys loses, but maybe he maybe the weight cut was getting to him, and and maybe he felt really flat against Simone, and maybe he, he, it was necessary. So, um, I'm I'm. It's it's rare for me to be against guys moving up in weight because obviously it's health reasons and um, they obviously understand their body more than we do and I really don't think strength is I think strength is really overrated you know um, 
if you take a 135 pounder, 145 pounder, like you stick them on the bench press, they're bench pressing pretty close to the same amount of weight, you know? So, um, sure, he, he's he's a pressure fight fighter who uses a stiff jab. He, he attacks with com- with good variety, um, constantly, you know, mixing things up, never attacking on the same thing. He's kind of like a JV version of Alex Volkanovsky. What I mean by that is like Volkanovsky, you never know he's going to bring out you. Uh, I'm not comparing him to, you know, arguably the greatest fighter in the world, but just he keeps you guessing. Uh, he works the body well, good calf kicks, shows some power against Timur Valiev. Again, moving up to 145, maybe he maybe he gets even more power. Uh, his kicking game has become very dangerous. I like his body kicks. Uh, his leg kicks are good. He's a really good wrestler, good penetration step, chain wrestles together well. He kind of has a relentless attitude to get the fight to the ground. Um, he can also clinch and get some body lock takedowns, uh, good at winning scrambles. I love that when he gets the fight to the ground, he doesn't rush things. Very um, Dagestan style where you try to grab like one limb and and keep that, you know, grab the wrist, motorcycle ride down or grab the elbow and chop it down or something like just slowly controlling, not rushing anything. Good back takes. He's got eight submission wins in his career. Um, he did look flat against Ricky Simone and Ricky Simone hurt him on the feet. But again, I, I really do think that was more about Ricky Simone. Now, uh, Americani, yeah, at this point, we know what he is. He's a southpaw. He works behind a jab, uh, throws from weird angles because he kind of keeps his hands low, uh, a little bit of an up jab, and everything he does on the feet is to close the distance where he can shoot. He's a relentless. Like I'll give him that. He'll just keep shooting. It's 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 kind of like, it's kind of like if Marab, if Marab gassed out a little bit, <laughs> like, like from <laughs> from Marab standards, like he's not. If you give him a twenty five minute fight, he's not going to shoot fifty times, but he might shoot twenty five. So uh, I like his entries. I think they're good. Uh, I don't like I don't like that he doesn't set up. I think he needs to set him up a little bit more, especially as the fight goes on. He starts diving a little bit, but um, you know, and he's been hurt because of that. Like Lerone Murphy set him up perfectly. Uh, if he gets on top, good top game, hard ground and pound. He is a submission threat. And he's creative with the submissions. He's got thirteen subs. Uh, loves like attacking the head. Even like when he's behind, he'll jump out to the front. Darce chokes. Uh, he caught Mike Grundy with a beautiful Darce choke. Uh, but he's slowed down. He's slowed down a lot because that's a really uh, relentless pace. I mean, he gassed out against Jonathan Pierce bad. Uh, I'm starting to get worried about his chin. He was dropped by Edson Barboza, hurt by Jason Knight, hurt by Shane Burgos, hurt by Laurent Murphy. And, and, you know, besides Jason Knight, those are some pretty good losses, uh, you know, to guys. As far as prediction goes, Americani is a tricky person. This is just not the matchup for him. This is a terrible stylistic matchup for him. Uh, he's going to want to get the fight to the ground. And and he, even though Shore is moving up and away, I'm, 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 I'm going to guess that he's bigger than Americani when they fight. And Shore's a good wrestler. He's not going to gas out. Uh, he's facing the guy that has a limited gas game. I think Shore wins the wrestling scrambles. I think he ends up on top. Uh, I think he. I think he might even finish him. I think he grounds upon him when, uh, yeah, I'll see Americani slows down and, and short grounds upon him. So give me sure. I'll say first round, first round TKO. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with basically everything you threw out there. I, I do like uh short moving up here for the same reasons you said, uh, anytime a fighter wants to move up, they haven't been forced, but they want to move up a weight class. I I'm all for it. Just on principle. It's, it's healthier. Uh, you know, and I always, always better that than, than moving down in weight to, to try to 
solve a problem, which it usually doesn't. Uh, I, I think it's funny that you mentioned that Shore has kind of a deliberate, uh, methodical top game like a Dagestani, considering that we talked a little while ago about Mohamed Mokayev, who is literally from Dagestan and is too spastic on top and, and too impatient. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that may change, you know, with age and maturity for him. But uh, sure, actually, mature is the best word I can I, I can think of for him. Like he's been in the UFC since he was like twenty five or twenty six, and he's just always fought very much like a veteran. I think he's one of the the smarter fighters in the division. Quietly, for him to lose to Amerkani would require him to make a mistake, basically, and. That's something I haven't really seen out of him. I haven't seen many tactical mistakes or bad game plans out of Shore. Even the loss to Simone, the most shocking thing out of that was seeing him get badly out-wrestled by somebody. Because what precipitated the finish was Simone slamming him all over the place in the second round. Uh, like, he hurt him in the first round, but in the second round, you know, he, he got some like a pretty high amplitude takedown, and Shore just couldn't get away from him. And, you know, uh, ended up tapping him out on the ground. That's not Amarkani. Amarkani gets a lot of submissions, but you mentioned he's much more of an opportunistic guy, gets things in scrambles, gets things uh, off the bottom, definitely gets things off the front headlock. I mean, his last three wins in the UFC have all been by Anaconda Choke. Uh, for sure to fall into that, he would have to fall into it, and I just don't see that. And with all else being equal, no, sure is going to be the younger guy, the more active guy. Uh, I think he will be roughly the same size and at least as strong. This is just a bad matchup for Amarkani. Give me sure probably by I'm going to say by TKO in the in the third round. Amarkani, you know, is still tough to put away unless you just crush him with a, a single hard technique which isn't really Shore's game. So I'm going to say he makes it to the third round, but he's he's badly behind, he's gassed out and Shore just takes him down one more time and pounds him out. The UFC 286 main card kicks off with a middleweight matchup between Marvin Vittori and Ramon Delidze. Vittori, the 29-year-old Italian, is 18-6-1 overall. He is 8-4-1 in the UFC. He is coming off a loss in his last outing. He dropped a unanimous decision to uh, Robert Whitaker at UFC Fight Night Gone versus Tuivasa last September. Prior to that, he took a unanimous decision over Paulo Costa in the famous wine hangover and intentional 20-pound weight miss fights. Uh, and then prior to that had been his title shot and rematch with Israel Adesanya back in June of 2021, which he lost by unanimous decision. So he will be hoping to get back into the win column and uh, standing across from him and uh, being welcomed kind of to the big leagues of middleweight is Delides. The 34-year-old Georgian is 12-1 and overall. He is 6-1 and in the UFC, and he has rattled off four straight wins uh, since his loss to Trevin Giles two years ago, those being Laureano Staropoli, Kyle Dawkins, Phil Hawes, and Jack Hermanson. The most recent of those, the Hermanson fight, was a second-round TKO win for the Leeds at Ye UFC on ESPN, Thompson versus Holland in December. So the Leeds, a looking for his fifth straight win, looking to certify himself uh, an actual title contender in this division. He is not favored to do so. Vittori, minus 300. Delize, plus 220. Keith, uh, we've talked about this every time we've talked about one of those fights. With every win, 
even though I'm now smart enough to start picking the leads in his fights, I'm like, I'm surprised he made it this far. He came in to next to no real expectations. He was, you know, 32 year old light heavyweight and then decided to cut to middleweight despite being built like an absolute like brick shit house. Yeah. And yet here he is with a legit, at least top 15, if not top 10 win in his back pocket and yep. more like a top five or seven opponent ahead of him. Like th- this dude isn't far down Sean Shelby's phone scroll. No, he, and he's fun too. Yeah. And if Israel Adesanya wins the title back, I mean, he might be the next guy after the trilogy. He'd be almost the last man standing that Adesanya hasn't beat yet. Like if Adesanya beats Pereira in the, in the next, you know, yeah, they're going to do an immediate rematch. Okay. But Delize might be the next guy waiting after that. Wow. Well, they have to do the trilogy. Yeah, they do the trilogy fight. Then yeah. Izzy, Izzy wins both of them, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, but that, that's, that's an obvious pick. Well, I mean, what if what if Bo Nickel, you know, like he's <laughs> on Nickel. vacation? At the- <laughs> anyway, I was saving that- a Bo Nickel reference at the very end, but you set that up too easy. <laughs> all all that to say, I guess I guess I shouldn't be surprised by him anymore. But apparently, some people are going to be surprised if he wins on Saturday because Vittori is a three to one favorite here. Uh, let me know how you think this fight plays out. Yeah, that's I'm surprised by that. It's. You know, I kind of go over the odds in my head, and I, and I, I didn't know who was going to be the favorite because, you know, the shiny toy kind of gets the odds a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought it'd at least be close, close to a pick'em fight. Um, I mean, he just beat Jack Hermanson, and he calf sliced him and ground upon him in one of the most brutal finishes you'll ever see. Yeah. Um, and Marvin Terry's coming off a loss, so you know, it was, obviously it was Terrell Whitaker, but. <laughs> um, Vittori's a really strong guy. Like that's the first thing I think of when I think of the guy. Built, he's a pressure striker that works well when he gets into the pocket. Head movement and shoulder rolls are kind of his defense. Uh, he lands a lot of hard power hooks. Uh, it's funny because you know we've talked about this a lot. Breaking down Vittori, <laughs> he's starting to show power, which was so surprising that he was one of the not one of the guys that you you. You just take Marvin Tori, oh, yeah, big power puncher. And then you're like, well, he really isn't. <laughs> He's not a guy who knocks the guys out because seeing as ripped he is, he doesn't he doesn't fight as the way you think. But uh, he can get a little left-hand happy for me, uh, looking for the same punch. Um, he can drop his hands, which is a little, a little troublesome. I like that he works the body. Uh, he's strong in the clinch. He's a very underrated grappler. He's an underrated wrestler. He gets some good entries, strong top control. He is a submission threat if you make a mistake. And he has – Cardio, like we can see him go 25 minutes, and it, you know, when he lost matches, it was not because of his cardio. Uh, Delizzi, he might be the only guy in the division that's more physically imposing than Vittori. Um, uh, maybe Randy Costa, if he's still in the division, uh, Paulo Costa, Paulo Costa, sorry, Randy Costa, <laughs> not so much, <laughs> yeah, no, no, not so much. Sorry, <laughs> um, he's 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 very raw on the feet. He's not very comfortable, and it's funny because he looked worse on his feet against Hermanson than he did in the fights before that. Um, like he took, almost took a step back, but he he does have power, and he and he's been using like feints and stuff to try to set up. But if he lands, he got he throws hard hooks. Uh, he loves his overhand right. Uh, he loves his left hook. 
He's got crushing power. We saw what he did to Kyle Dawkins, uh, which isn't a win that aged well, but at that time was a good, solid win. Um, hard, thundering leg kicks. He he does check leg kicks, which I like. Um, one concern I had in his last fight is his output on the feet was very low. Like He was letting Hermanson get ahead of him and, and not challenging him on things, and he was losing because of it. Uh, if he gets to the clinch, he's strong, uh, especially he's mean in there, batters the body with knees. He's a good wrestler. And it's funny because I always thought of him as like a topside wrestler, and that is not him. He's an incredible grappler. I mean, he swept Jack. I mean, we always think about the, yeah. the you know, calf slicer and all that, but he swept Jack Hermanson, which is a hell of a feat. And it's, Jack Hermanson is a really good grappler himself. Yep. And uh, he's obviously he's a submission threat, as, as we mentioned. Mean ground and pound. Uh, I'm still worried about his cardio. Um, we, you know, we haven't seen him fight really hard deep into fights. I think the betting line is way off. It, it, it's to me, I did just do a, a betting show um, for the last event, so I'll, I'll give a little betting. It's either dog or pass to me, where you know I'm, I'm going Delitzi with the odds because I think they should be much closer. That said, uh, I wasn't sure if Vittori was going to be on the dog. And I'm actually going with Vittori in a straight pick him. Like, who am I picking to win? Not, not, I'm not betting on him. Uh, I like his output on the feet. Uh, he's shown in the past that he's he's tough to submit. I think he's very underrated on the ground. I think he just danced. I think it might look a, I think this fight might look a lot like the beginning of the Hermanson fight where he's moving, sticking and moving, sticking and moving, um, beating Delizzi with long strikes. And I think JP Bies is going to be happy because I think Vittori is going to beat Delitzi by unanimous decision. <laughs> oh, poor JP. Poor JP. Yeah, I was surprised at the lines on this one as well. And I say that as somebody who admittedly has consistently underestimated Roman Delizzi on, on his way up. Like, I, I thought Jack Hermanson would be too much for him. And instead, he pulled something on Hermanson that I'd never like nobody's done that to Jack Hermanson. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was incredible. Barely anybody's most, done that in the UFC period. Yeah, like it, it was it, one of the most memorable moments of that was last year, right? Yeah, it was last year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was one of the most memorable. Dude, moments it was last, last December. Like time falls. No, I knew it was recently. Yeah. 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 No, I, yeah, was I, I, I wasn't sure if it was like December or January. That's yeah. what I was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, aside from the punches in the head, it almost looked like, uh, like a pro wrestling finisher. Like, how did you get that? You know, like this is the Scorpion Deathlock, or it's the Boston crap. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, we got to get a 1980s reference in there. Yeah, got that too. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Vittori. It's wild to think this guy is still just 29 years old. Just he came to the UFC young enough. I mean, he came to the UFC at like 22, and pretty quickly made his way into. I mean before he made his way into contention, he made it his way like onto main cards and stuff just as a European. And uh, I, I guess some people think he's good looking. I don't, I don't know. At any rate, he's been in the spotlight long enough that it's surprising to me that he's still not 30 years old. And there's a good chance that he is still improving because he talks like a complete meathead and he looks kind of like a meathead, but he doesn't fight like one. He you know, like uh, he has improved his game uh, over the course of his, of his UFC run. Uh, he lost to Adesanya both times, but he was a better fighter the second time. Just so, so was Adesanya. And <clears throat> his 
you know, his poison is just like defensively sound strikers with good, with good takedown defense. Like that's, that's what he can't handle. Uh, I think his decision to move his training to the U S and the Kings MMA very early in his career has, has uh, it's, it stood him in good stead. I don't think he'd be as good an offensive wrestler as he is right now. If he just stayed in Italy training somewhere. But are you saying that Italians don't have good wrestling? <laughs> I'm sure the Italian Wrestling Federation is gonna is gonna get at me like they in the Kentucky Judo Federation can <laughs> kind of like line, line up at my door. Yeah, uh, but you know, like working at, at Kings. I mean, I don't know if Mark Munoz is still there, but like they they have a, they have a good staff. Um, here, I'm picturing Delizes route to victory and I'm 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 picturing the ways he's beaten other people in the past even the ones that have surprised me like I would be shocked if he got Vittori into another situation like he did Hermanson I would be shocked if he if he just lamped uh Vittori with like he did uh Phil Hawes or, or Kyle Dawkins those are things that just we haven't seen done to Vittori like Vittori is what he is he's come up definitively short when he's gotten into the title picture but he's never been finished in you know five or six years of fighting the best the division has to offer and he's rarely even been in serious trouble or badly hurt i mean he is just this like stocky like weird italian tank who marches forward and and does his game i'm with you that delizze's cardio is a mild concern i would have said it'd be a huge concern when he dropped to 185 again just considering how huge he was but it's not it, it's not been a, a serious liability i mean he lost to Giles, at least partly because he was the more tired guy in the third round. But it's not like he's completely fallen off a cliff. But Vittori, like, actually maintains a higher pace and higher volume late into fights. And I think that's what this fight might turn uh, turn on. Give me a pretty fun three-round slugfest. If Delize can get takedowns on Vittori, this will get a lot more interesting uh, in a real hurry. And my pick will have been wrong. But I don't think he's going to be able to. I think this is mostly going to take place on the feet unless Vittori sneaks in a reactive takedown. Um, yeah. So give me Vittori to win two rounds out of three. If I'm guessing, probably the second and third. Uh, and cruise on to a victory and just say some like loud, wild shit on the mic afterwards. I, I, I just kept thinking about when when you bash Italy. I did, I did not bash Italy just for the record. But I just I just I just pictured like this big Tony Soprano guy grabbing grabbing his computer and throwing it across the room like ah and some <laughs> other guy saying ah forget about that show <laughs> either that or like some dude just like like raises his hand and the dude in the silk suit like walks out the door with like a, a silenced gun <laughs> to like just <laughs> Put me away. That's it. Next show, it's 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 the uh, Shillin and uh, Shillin and Dev show. Shillin, Shillin, yeah, Shillin and Shillin and, and and Dev show, and like Duffy's got like a horse head in his bed. Yeah, like I just I didn't picture Ben like this. I picked him to win. No. <laughs> Next up on the UFC London main card is a women's flyweight matchup between Jennifer Maya and Casey O'Neill. Maya, the 34-year-old Brazilian, is 29-1 overall. She is an even 5-5 five and five in the UFC uh, since joining as the former Invicta flyweight champ. Uh, though her record in the UFC is 5-5, five and five, that reflects her being thrown into the deepest of the deep 
end of the pool right out of the gate. And she did get as far as a title shot against uh, former champ Valentina Shevchenko, a mostly one-sided washing that nonetheless saw her make at least one round relatively close. And that was good enough for a moral victory at the time. She won her last time out. It was a unanimous decision win over Marina Moroz at UFC Fight Night, Zechikwu versus Kudalaba in November. So looking to make it two in a row, she'll be taking on uh, a young Aussie who's looking to make it 10 in a row. Uh, Casey O'Neill, 25-year-old from Queensland, is a perfect 9-0 as a professional mixed martial artist. She is a perfect 4-0 in the UFC. Uh, she last fought just over a year ago, uh, taking a split decision over the retiring uh, Roxanne Modafferi, who, as usual for Roxy, was a much tougher ask than uh, she's given credit for. But nonetheless, uh, O'Neill did enough to get it done. And with that, her fourth straight UFC win, she uh, had done enough to get a legit top 10 opponent, which is Maya. And despite the step up in competition, O'Neill is a moderate favorite to win. She is minus 185, Maya plus 145. Keith, we're going to be talking about uh, Justin Gaethje here in a, in a little bit Talk and talk about being just thrown into the deep end of the UFC waters because of what you did on the way in. But Jennifer Maya had to fight Liz Carmouche in her UFC debut, like yeah. probably a top five woman. It just has gotten next to no breaks. Uh, yeah. Who, who, who do you think her easiest opponent has been so far in the UFC? Roxanne Modafferi that I just said is always tougher than people think she's going to be. Sure. Yeah, she's tricky. Yeah. And and, and she'd already beaten Modafferi in Invicta. Other than that, it's like Alexis Davis won a fight last year. Like, she's yeah. Je Jessica. Alexis, I, kind of, Alexis Davis fought for the title. Yeah. I, I, sad to say, probably Joanne Wood because Joanne Wood was a terrible style matchup for her too. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I mean, she's fought all, uh, like, her losses, Liz Carmouche, Caitlin Chukagian, Valentina Shevchenko, Chukagian again, and Manon Fior. Yeah. All, all champs, former title uh, challengers, or someone in Fior who will probably Could fight be. for a title before the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, she's 34. Does she have anything left in the tank, or is this, is this Casey time? She she's thirty four. Like, she's not she's not super old. Like, she's younger than than you think. Um, you know, do I think she's gonna win a UFC title? Well, they know, but she's she's a tough test. You beat Jennifer Maya, you're good. Um, so, I, I mean, my she's 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 not a great athlete. Like that's you know, if 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 we have a race of all the top you know top fifteen fighters in in the division, she's probably going last. You know, um, she's a bit flat footed. But she's well-rounded. I mean, she's a technical sound boxer, some quick hands. Uh, she marches down her foe, stalks them, throws straight punches down the pipe, attacks with combinations, good at beating her opponent to the point of contact. Um, due to her lack of athleticism, she does struggle to cut off the cage, and, and which is why, like, uh, Caitlin Chikagian was, like, a terrible, tough, stylistic matchup for her. Though we pointed this out, she did much better against Manon Ferrer. Like, she lost that fight, but... Farrell was trying to move against her, and she was she was cutting off the cage better. Uh, I like her clinch striking. She can get in the clinch. She can grind in there. She can wrestle. She can hit a takedown, too. She doesn't look for her wrestling enough, but she should because she's strong on top. She's got a good submission game. Uh, I mean, like, that's why someone like Joanne Wood was such a, you know, favorable matchup for her that she can just take her down and submit her. Uh, move over to Casey O'Neill. What I love about Casey O'Neill, she's 25 and in – it's a fine line between being like cocky and needing to be humbled or just having this altered confidence of what you're going to go out there 
I do it. Like that's why someone like Erin Blanchfield is the perfect one because she is super confident, knows she's the next big thing, but also like somehow comes off as humble when she when she says it. Like she just says it like it's a matter of fact, not like cocky. Well, Casey O'Neill, she's got this edge, and I she has this like she's got that bad bitch thing going on. Like you know that like, and I don't mean that as an insult. I, like I mean it as a compliment. Like like. You mentioned Ryder Rousey having like uh, I remember I loved Joanna Young Chechek when she was that get in your face like how dare you even think you can even yeah. challenge for the belt kind of thing and Casey O'Neill has a little bit of that going with her mm-hmm. and I love it like dude uh, who mean mugs Roxanne Modafferi <laughs> and I'm not I'm not even mad about it like Roxanne wasn't mad like just, no, you know. no no yeah Roxanne, that's how that's how great she is she yeah, like she yeah. came in, yeah um. Casey O'Neill, she's her skills are there too. I mean, she's a high output striker that just crushes people with her with her pressure. You mentioned Roxanne Montefiore; she couldn't, she folded because of the pressure. Antonina Shevchenko couldn't handle the pressure. She's a Muay Thai striker with quick hands. I'd say plus power. Who is now at twenty five, just entering her like power years. And remind you, she was you know last time we think we saw her fight was twenty three. Like when you make a big jump from in two years. You know, or, or a year and a half, whatever since she's she's fought. Uh, some something she needs to improve. I mean, she keeps her chin high in the air. That's that's something and defensively, but like uh, everyone has that at, at this age. She's a very good wrestler, which is really surprising being someone from um, that region of the world. I'm, yeah. I, it, it, it's 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 better than Italian wrestling, but well, you know, I, yeah, you know, not I, only an Australian, but one who like principally trains at Tiger Muay Thai, which isn't yeah. normally thought of. Like it ain't AKA. Like, yeah, you know. yeah, and, and and they have very underrated wrestling. But just yeah. my point, like when we think about wrestling, we think American wrestling, and we think the Middle East and and Russia. Yeah, like those are your powerhouses for wrestling. With with the here and there, a couple, uh, you know, outlets, a couple, yeah. you know, Japan can have a good wrestler here and there. But generally speaking, you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, she chains takedowns together well. She's got solid grappling, strong top game, mean ground and pound. Um, she finished Shayna Dobson with ground and pound in her UFC debut, and she's a submission threat. We saw that against Laura Procopia. Going from Matafari to Maya, I think, is a massive step up, being that she's been out for a while. And why she was out, I mean, she tore ACL, yeah. which is really scary stuff. But it's not what it used to be. Like, I remember, like, 10 years ago, you said you tore ACL. You were done. Like, your career was over. Yeah. You know, you think about, like, Terrell Davis and running backs like that. Uh, that's not the case anyway. Now you see people tear their ACL. They come back to look better than ever. So um, I am still a little worried just because I'm old and, and and ACL bothers me. But then I think of someone like, shout out to Spencer Lee, who's come back from two torn ACLs in, in wrestling. And I've never seen a wrestler as dominant as he is right now. So um, O'Neill's a great athlete. She's young. So it's again, I think that matters too. It's not the, she's not, 28, 29, 30, tearing it. She was 23. I I think it's going to be a coming out party. I, I love, I was watching, uh, I think it was Era Hawani talking about the fights <laughs> and like Casey O'Neill was pissed off. Like, you guys all forgot. And she was texting him and say, I, I love that. So I say she smokes Maya with volume. I think she adds in her own takedowns, gets some ground and pound. I'm going to say O'Neill wins unanimous decision. I'm going to say Maya's tough. So she'll probably, she, you know, I don't think she'll get a finish, but overall, uh, yeah. O'Neill by decision. Yeah, I, I I like the the breakdown there a lot. 
Jennifer Maya is incredibly tough, pretty defensively sound, well-rounded. I mean, difficult to finish. She spent five rounds in the cage with Valentina Shevchenko and was never especially close to being uh, finished, just couldn't couldn't keep up. Uh, <clears throat> O'Neal, I agree with everything you said about her. And obviously, we both are believers in Aaron Blanchfield, and I have the feeling these two women are going to fight at some point, probably for a title or a title shot. And I can't wait until it happens. But out of the whole crop of uh, flyweight women that are that are like shooting up the ranks right now, O'Neal is the one that I I would probably favor over Blanchfield. Like, doesn't oh, have I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. I know I know you wouldn't. I'm just but, saying. Uh, but. And I, I, the last thing I want to do is break down O'Neill versus Blanchfield right yeah. now in the middle of a 15-fight card. But O'Neill brings, like, a level of sheer physicality that Manon Fior does, but, like, not many other women in the division on, on the way up do. Like, no. she's she's big-framed. Like, I, I've been face-to-face with her. She was actually uh, – her last fight, the fight with uh, Mata Ferry, was here in Houston. So, I, you know, I was there all week. I was there for all the – sure. What, uh, what, so is she? So she was. What's the deal with Amanda? She represents Scotland and Australia. What's what's the deal? She's Australian and she's Scottish. Uh, I think she might have been born in Scotland, and she's definitely of Scottish descent. But I mean, they live and grew up in uh, Australia. Like she has an Australian accent. I okay. went to school in Australia. Like I'm in, you know, semi regular touch with uh, her brother Cam, who uh, was a former fighter himself. He runs Eternal MMA, which is one of the better promotions in Australia and where she had her first four or five fights. And I, I kind of gave him like some grief, but I'm like, dude, who, who, who gets in Roxanne out of Ferry's face? He's like, he's like, it made me laugh too, man. It's like, it wasn't scripted. I promise. Like she's just, you know, she's just at that moment where she's, she's kind of like bitch. feeling all of her energy and, and you know, yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's, and it's not disrespect for Montefiore or anyone else. Like you said it very well. It's like the, I am the woman of destiny. Like, how dare you even like be in front of me right now? Uh, if she's all good from the knee injury, I agree with you that this is probably a coming out party. Maya is so solid, but Neil is going to be bigger, longer range. She's good at using her range. Uh, probably better one shot power. She's really dangerous on the ground. Uh, I'm not going to pick a finish because, again, Maya has never been finished, really hasn't been close to finish that I can remember. But I, I think O'Neill probably wins in a washing here. And it's seen as her propulsion up to, okay, now she's beaten the top 10 fighter. Now we, we need to decide what to do with her because the title picture is getting a little crowded, you know, and let's not let any of our uh, up and coming prospects you know, get knocked off too soon or spend too much time on the shelf. Give me O'Neill in a dominant decision here where I'm going to guess that the fight primarily takes place on the feet because that's where O'Neill wants it. Like O'Neill stings Maya uh, in space, probably gets some clinch exchanges where she punishes her. Maya tries to bring the fight to the ground and can't. Uh, O'Neill wins all three rounds. Third from the top on the UFC 286 main card is a welterweight matchup between Gunnar Nelson and Brian Barbarena. Nelson, the 34-year-old Icelander by way of Dublin, a longtime SBG Ireland exponent, is 18-5-1 overall. He's 9-5 in the UFC. 
He uh, is coming off a win. He fought almost exactly a year ago at the first UFC London card of last year, taking a unanimous decision over uh, Takashi Sato. Prior to that, he had lost back-to-back fights against Gilbert Burns and Leon Edwards, Obviously, two losses that have aged pretty well, but those were all the way back in 2019. Uh, He had a pretty lengthy layoff in between. He will look to make it two in a row against Barbarena. The 33-year-old American is 18-9 and overall. He's 9-8 and in the UFC. He is coming off a loss. He fought at uh, UFC on ESPN Thompson versus Holland last December, where he got tapped out in the second round by Rafael Dos Anjos. Prior to that, he had won three straight over Darian Weeks, Matt Brown, and Robbie Lawler. So he'll be looking to get back in the win column. He is most decidedly not favored to do so. Nelson is out there at minus 400, Barbarina plus 320. Uh, Oh, and I should mention, Barbarina is in on not ultra short notice, but this fight had been originally scheduled to be Nelson versus Daniel Rodriguez. Rodriguez was forced to withdraw. Barbarina got the call. But uh, again, it was on probably like a month's notice. Keith, I'm going to ask you a trivia question before uh, I break down this fight. So Gunnar Nelson, this is his 15th UFC fight. He has fought 14 times in the UFC. How many of those fights took place in the United States? Two. Nailed it. Two out of his 14 (laughs) UFC fights. Uh, have taken place in the UFC, and both of those he was on Conor McGregor cards, where there was already a bus coming yeah, over yeah. from from Dublin. Sure. Other than that, he is—I mean—he's fought once in Canada, and then it's all Europe cards. It's it's almost unheard of for a guy who's actually who was actually a top ten guy for a, a while there to just <clears throat> never fight in the U.S. Like, yeah, kind of kind of wild, but he has his priorities. And funny thing is. I, Nelson, I mean, he has that kind of Icelandic personality, just like super mellow, super chill, super laid back. Even when he was scraping the top 10, I never felt as though his, uh, I never felt as though his goals really included winning a UFC title. Like that sounded like a lot of work. He'd rather like fight some guys, have some fun fights, hang around with his friends, train jujitsu with Connor, you know, and have matchups that are bad stylistic matchups for him. Yeah. Like going against other extremely high level jujitsu guys, and he, yeah, he took on Damian Maya. Like, yeah, that's like, the like, worst. That, like he'd rather do that than you know, fade a guy who's higher in the rankings that he's going to beat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it must be incredibly freeing not to have to stress out about that stuff. Like, and I say this as a guy that like thinks like Nelson is, is pretty cool, and maybe he's, maybe he's the opposite. Maybe like on the cameras, like that at home, he's like smashing things <laughs> and he's, you know. <laughs> He's angry all the time, yelling at his wife and stuff. Like, I have a hard time picturing that, but <laughs> I, I fully admit I do not know what happens within uh, the Nelson household. Man, this fight, a, a lot of this card, understandably, built up to get winnable fights for the UK slash Ireland slash adoptive UK. Yeah, Ireland a little fighters. bit of a theme there. A little bit of a theme. Uh, and here, I mean, Danny Rodriguez. If that if that had been the fight that made it to the cage, I, yeah. I would have been like, this is kind of a trap fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Rodriguez has had a rough skid recently, but he'd be a younger guy with less tread off the tires who's far more active. And yeah, I don't know if I would have picked the upset. I didn't really like tape it or anything, but sure. Replacing him with Barbarina makes this one a whole lot easier. <laughs> uh, 
I I was slower to come around on jumping off the Barbarina train than you were. And it's not like I was ever like pulling the horn and I was just like, oh, you know, Barbarina, Barbarina falls in that kind of action fighter in the welterweight division middle range. Like, you know, he's in there with like the Nico Price, Vicente Luque. You go down the like, you know, Alex Morono, but he's he's beneath all those guys because one on top of everything else, he, he seems to be prematurely shot like. He slowed absolutely. down. His cardio yeah, has, has waned, and his chin is gone. I, I don't know if his cardio has, because he I mean he, he I mean, his okay. cardio his cardio is what killed Robbie Lawler. Okay, insane cardio. But that's that's all he has left. And okay, he has enough cardio left to to take out like forty year old Robbie Lawler, who is legit like on time shot, not prematurely yeah. shot. But no, you, you're right. Uh, but the chin is has abandoned him and. He's the worst grappler in the UFC. He's he's the worst definitely the wrestler. He's the, he's definitely the worst one in that division. Like okay, you know, Fair like enough. if if you go up to heavyweight, he'd be dead dead middle of the, of the pack. But <laughs> you know, We're talking about how great his wrestler yeah, is. Yeah, you, you you go up to like women's featherweight. He's like, yeah, he's he's mid. But uh, at welterweight, yeah, he probably is uh, the worst, and that spells terrible news against Nelson because Nelson is a fantastic grappler i mean in terms of outside the cage distinctions he's not i mean he's obviously not damian meyer or, or, or jack or he's not a multiple time like abu dhabi or mundial's champ but you know he's a former champion grappler it's crossed over well to mma he's you know very very good on the ground and not always fantastic at getting the fight to the ground but he should be able to get the fight to the ground if he wants uh the real what this fight will hinge on is how long Nelson wants to spend bouncing around in his like goofy karate stance. Yeah. You know, and throw and like flicking out the, those front kicks before, you know, he just shoots or clinches. Uh, and even if he decides to waste most of the first round doing that, Barbara Rain has always been a volume guy on the feed. He, it's not like he's going to crush Nelson with one shot to make him pay no. for that choice. No, no. So he gets, he gets you tired and then he takes over. Yeah. And which could happen. I it guess. could like, but I don't think it's going to get to that point. Uh, give me Nelson to come out, do the, like the Steven Thompson bladed stance without, you know, any of the techniques that like spring off of it, throw a couple kicks, but by the middle of the first round, uh, he'll shoot a takedown on Barbarina, get him down, take his back rear naked choke and just make it seem as inevitable as the sunrise. Give me Gunnar Nelson by first round submission. Yeah. I just picture Gunnar Nelson. Like, so I, I'm just gonna do this. I'm not gonna break though. I'm gonna save some time again. This is gonna be actually one, one of our shorter, uh, really huge cards. Unless, unless we spend a lot of time on the next two fights, which we, well, I'm sure we will. Um, but Mike, you know, I, you know, how I feel about Brian Barbarino at this point and, yeah. and Gunnar Nelson, he seems almost semi-retired himself, but he could be fully retired and he's still a terrible style of matchup. Like I picture Gunnar Nelson just like in Iceland, like unbelievable, beautiful, like scenery laying in a hammock, <laughs> you know, no, no, maybe in his backyard, completely naked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, drinking drinking like a V eight, <laughs> something. <laughs> you know, because he's a weirdo. 
you're you painting know. the picture of a weirdo. I'm, I'm yeah, getting it. Yeah. <laughs> listening to like, listen to like a fish album. Um, <laughs> and honestly, he could have not trained jujitsu for like five years, and I'd still take him <laughs> coming up, bopping off the hammock and and uh, and winning and, and taking down Brian Moreno and submitting him. So I say he takes down Brian Moreno, he submits him in the first round, and. Pops up in a VA and heads back to uh, Iceland. Let's do this. If if UFC ever holds an Iceland card, we're gonna we're gonna hold Sure Dog hostage. We're not gonna do another show until me and Ben get sent out to the UFC Iceland card. I'm absolutely. I would love that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go to Iceland. That brings us to the co-main event of UFC London, a lightweight matchup between Justin Gaethje and. Rafael Faziv. Gaethje, the 34-year-old Arizonan, is 23-4 overall. He is 6-4 since joining the UFC as the outgoing World Series of Fighting Lightweight Champ. Uh, he lost his last time out. It was a title fight against then-champ Charles Oliveira last May at UFC 274, where uh, he was dropped, hurt, choked out in about three minutes, uh, quick and hum- Quick and humiliating de- defeat, uh, you know, for the for the lightweight standout. Prior to that, he had taken a unanimous decision over Michael Chandler in 2021's Fight of the Year, uh, and before that, he had uh, fought former champ Habib Nurmagomedov back in October of 2020. That one also ended in a submission. Uh, that one a triangle in the second round after being soundly out wrestled uh, for most of the fight. He will be looking to get back in the win column and reaffirm himself as a factor in the title picture against the surging Fiziev. The 30-year-old Azerbaijani, by way of uh, Thailand, is 12-1 overall. He's 6-1 in the UFC. Uh, Debuted in the UFC almost four years ago at UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Alenik and got knocked out in about 90 seconds by Magomed Mustafaev. Since then, it's been nothing for, but wins for him, however. Uh, he fought most recently last July in the headliner of UFC on ESPN 39, knocking out uh, former champ Rafael Dos Anjos early in the fifth round. Uh, this would be his sixth win in a row, would certainly certify him as a title contender sooner or than a title contender sooner than later, maybe as soon as sometime uh, this year. And he is a comfortable favorite to get it done. Fazeev minus 220, Gaethje plus 190. Keith, uh, <laughs> oh, for, for, those, for those who are taking in this as an audio podcast rather than a video, you did not see Keith's trademark. Wow. I cannot believe that line uh, eyebrow thing that he does. I'm going to toss this uh, to you first for sure, but we just talked about Jennifer Maya being five and five in the UFC just because she was like thrown to the wolves immediately. Uh, Gaethje can say much the same. I I mean, he debuted against Michael Johnson, who is at the very least, he is a, he is a trap fight for anybody, especially in 2017. He's someone who could jump up and, and bite just about anybody in the division at any, at any time. And, from there, it's been nothing but pretty tough stylistic match, or sorry, pretty tough matchups from there on out. Like his so-called easy fight was probably against James Vick, and at the time, 
Vic was on like a five fight winning streak and was favored in the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's had a he's had a freaking run. It, it's funny. It reminds me of I used to coach high school wrestling, and we had this kid. He, I don't even know his name. Is what a character. He was like a first year wrestler, but he was like this big loud mouth. But he was fun. Like he, he'd win and he'd do the crip walk, <laughs> like like. But he was wrestling JV, <laughs> but he like never understood that JV was lower than Vosity. Like he just never understood that. Like I still remember there was a kid. Uh, he was there was two guys in Rhode Island. They, they, they were I love it. It was one of the greatest rivalries in Rhode Island history. And they they the top two guys in New England. They refused to get out of each other's weight class and everything. And they both had an ego. I loved it. And um, the uh, <laughs> one of the guy I coached ended up uh, winning the rivalry. But uh, then he went on. Then he got <laughs> went out to Arizona instead of wrestling. Got addicted to. Uh, meth and started going on a string of bank robberies, no lie. Um, but uh, back to the story, <laughs> I still remember he had this unbelievable match, and it was them two guys going against each other. And I can't remember what happened, but he like he won in like double overtime, triple. It was like one of those days, always had these unbelievable matches against each other. And I still remember this old JV kid going like off to him, like, dude, in the third, in the third. Here, when you had this move, why didn't you just do the move that I did to that guy? And, and talking about the JVs, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like, man, like you had this really close match, man. I smoked my guy, <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, <clears throat> so it's like not all five and fives in the UFC are equal, you know. Justin Gaethje's like, five and five is a little different than uh, like, you know. You could see like Patty Pimblett pulling Justin Gaethje aside and saying something like that to him. So, <laughs> So like, when, when Khabib was doing this to you, why did you do what I did to you know <laughs> this sub five hundred fighter? <laughs> I can see like Leona Carolina going to like, hey, I got a winning record in the UFC. What's the matter, Justin? Why is, why is he why is he in the co-main yeah. event? Like, um, yeah. So that's just by the way, that is a true story about the bank robberies. Um, apparently, I could teach him some wrestling. I could teach him life lessons. Uh, I was I was shocked when you said the betting lines. Like again, like I always try to guess the betting lines, and uh, I thought Gaethje was gonna be like based on the name and and the guys he's beaten and everything. I thought he was gonna he was gonna be the slight favorite. Like I mm-hmm. I was gonna have him like negative one twenty. Um, wow, I'm just, I'm shocked. Like, it, I mean, I get it. The style of these two guys, you know, you figure a striking battle and Fazeev is a you know known really good striker. But so is Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje is a really good striker. He's a pocket boxer with big power. I mean, every one of his fights, even the losses, other than other than Habib Nurmagomedov, he's had moments in every single fight where he's rocked guys and hurt guys and almost put them out. Like, he, say you want Justin Gaethje, he was seconds away from a UFC championship. Yep. You know, um, he's he's gonna be known. As that guy that was so close, you know, and your Matt Ryan, like right there, like one break changes and he's he's got a Super Bowl title. Kind of kind of kind of the same thing with Justin Gaethje. Um I, I'm gonna read my previous notes on Jason because I was gonna look at things and mix some things around and change things. And I just remember like how I wrote this and I just I like it. One thing I like about Justin Gaethje is that he's shown so many things in the past as strengths and then different almost like every fight like he had this 
overhand right against James Vick. This left hook that butchered Tony Ferguson. Leg kicks on everyone, but especially the Edson Barboza with the leg kicks was such a big thing. His dirty boxing and grabbing the back of the head and uppercutting and, and landing hard hooks in, in, in the dirty boxing range against Donald Cerrone. Like, I love that these, he's adding these things. And since the Tony Ferguson fight, he's become more technical and technically sound and controlled, which is like why I'm I, I'm surprised the betting lines is is really disrespecting him that much. Now he's got hard leg kicks, some of the hardest leg kicks we've ever seen. Uh, I mean, he he won a kicking battle against Edson Barboza, but they were both kicking each other, and Edson was the one that was like f this. And I mean, we know if, if we had the club of, mm-hmm. I mean, if we had the club of like who, who's your Mount Rushmore of leg kickers. I mean, I mean, Barbosa and Gaethje are both on the list, right? I mean, Bar- Barbosa and Gaethje are, are both on it, yeah. Oh, but I, I mean, just off the bat, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but I'd probably throw Aldo and, and probably maybe Pedro Hizzo. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, okay? Yeah. So this is it's you also, go. you know, midnight <laughs> when we're doing this. But my point is, like, you know, he, he made Edson Barca quit the, quit the kicking battle. Uh, he, he's got tons of defensive holes, yeah. and that, that's the argument against Justin Gaethje. He's, he's still back straight up. He's been rocked. So as much as we say, like, oh, he's had all these great moments in, in MMA and even in, in losses, he's had he's had moments where he's he's hurt guys. He's also in wins. He's had moments where he got hurt. So um, it, he's his wrestling is grossly overrated. Like, I'm, I'm mentioning his wrestling. He ne- one, he never used it. Second one, he was an All-American. He, I think he placed seventh, and it was, like, 12 years ago or something like that. So it, it was so long ago, it, you know, wrestling Northern still, Arizona lumberjack wrestling represents. Yeah. Well, it's, do you remember when DC talked to, and I'm bringing up, I already used him, but there was a really cool moment where DC was talking to Bo nickel before his debut. And he talked about, Hey, you're in the Penn state room every day. Like, don't lose that. Like wrestling, like Gage's lost his wrestling because yeah, I understand he wrestled with Kamara Ushmael, but it's not the same. He's he's not grinding with, uh, you know, Peyton Rob or something like you know some guy like that, you know. Um, and I just I don't think at his age I don't think he can wrestle for long periods of time. Now, Fasiv, another thing that Gaethje hasn't mentioned, Gaethje's much bigger than Fasiv. Fasiv's always he's a smaller lightweight. Like I, I've said this before, he looks like he'd go down to one forty five. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not saying he should just for the record, but he looks like he could if. Uh, he's so fun to watch strike. He, he's the coach of Tiger Muay Thai, which is all you need to know when it comes to striking. I don't know if he's still the striking coach, but one point he was. Um, he could fight out of both stands where he's really good either way. I, I think I prefer him in the southpaw stance. He's so tactical, very tight shots, so accurate. He attacks fast combinations of the pocket, such zipping his shots, nice snapping his shots. Uh, his return is just as fast coming back, which is such a uh, skill of a striker. Uh, a lot of guys don't do that, so it, that's why it's hard to counter him. Uh, he has a high guard defense, so um, you kind of almost have to go towards the body more than going after his head. Uh, some of the best head moves in the game. We, like, we talk about that matrix move. I mean, it's 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 such a hard target to hit. Plus power. Uh, he's definitely he's more of an Adesanya type striker, where it's it's more about his precision and his accuracy than it is. Um, his pure power. Like he he knocks you out with clean the, shots. The Riddell knockout. Yeah, it's a clean shot. It's not a I have so much crushing power. Mm-hmm. This is what's just no one can take this. Phenomenal kicks. I mean, his calf kicks, his high kicks. Uh he loves that like Alexander Slamenko spinning attack he throws out there. That that spinning wheel kick he landed on Brad Riddell was was 
ridiculous. Um, uh, you get to the clinch. If he gets inside, he can grab the Muay Thai clinch. He can battle with knees. It's funny because we talk about wrestling, and and I think Justin Gaethje's wrestling is grossly over it. I think Fasiz's wrestling is underrated. I think he's pretty good both offensive and defensively. I don't expect him to wrestle. He does. He also. I mean, we talk about Justin Gaethje not using wrestling. Fasiz the same way, uh, and but he can get a submission here and there. It, this fight is amazing. Like this is an, this is as when you talk, when you make a matchup, and and I don't know when we do our matching guys up. A lot of it has to do with promotion and and thinking about the title picture and and how you want to market guys like that. At least I do that when I I don't know I don't know what you're thinking. But I try to do that a little bit, but if you just go straight like what's going to be the most entertaining matchup, what's going to be you have at the NGC is it's this matchup. I mean you can't make a better fight than this. Uh, I think Gaethje has the power advantage. I think Fasiv has the speed advantage. As Connor said, precision beats power and timing beats speed. And I I think this is a coming up party for Steve, which is why I'm really disappointed in the betting lines because I thought I thought I was taking an upset, um, or 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 at least the, it would be like a pick 'em. Uh, I didn't I didn't think I was taking a big favorite, so. I think we're going to have some crazy Justin type, Justin Gaethje type fight in the first round where Gaethje's blasting leg kicks and they're throwing down of the pocket and, and, and having crazy scrambles and Gaethje's rocked and he catches Fasiv with something good. But I think eventually Fasiv will take over and, and he'll put Gaethje out for good. I'll say he knocks out Justin Gaethje in the second round. Yeah, I was uh, you know mildly surprised by the line as well, but and there hasn't been much disagreement on this card has there been any disagreement on this card yeah we disagreed on one, on on like one fight but for the for the same reasons and i'll add to all all the reasons you gave that at some point kt's chin is going to betray him i, I mean it could have come at any time in the last yeah. five or six years yeah, it was it was not unreasonable to ask after the back-to-back losses to Alvarez and Poirier, is is Justin Gaethje's chin gone? Yeah, and yeah, o- Oliveira tapped him out, but Oliveira dropped him first. Um, Chandler hurt him a couple times. Uh, Ferguson hurt him some in the first round. I mean, it w- it became an avalanche in the opposite direction by the end of the fight, but the first round was a Justin Gaethje round. Uh, Fiziev probably doesn't have the same shot for shot power as Gaethje does. Like as Gaethje, uh, you mentioned some of the greatest kicks we've ever seen, like especially the low kicks, but also just huge punching power. He he has blasted people. I just it's been almost a year. He got hurt in that fight. He's been hurt in a lot of his fights. He's taken an incredible amount of artillery on his chin. He's already greatly outperformed what I thought he would do when he got to the UFC. I he got by the time he got out of World Series of Fighting, he was like 15 and 0 or 16 and 0 and mm. he was a really exciting acquisition by the UFC, but I said he's he'll be the kind of guy that picks up a ton of bonuses but never really threatens to to win a title in the UFC. N- nobody who has two great fights with Luis Palomino is yeah. going to fight for a UFC title. Yeah. Like it's just a matter. I, I figured he was a guy that fought down to his opposition and was going to have wild brawls with everyone because that's what he had in World Series of Fighting. Uh, 
he had two great fights with Luis Palomino, and he he won Fantastic both by TKO, fight. but he got hurt both times, and there were it were wild back and forth fights. A top five fight lightweight shouldn't have wild back and forth fights with yeah. Luis Palomino. He should just plunk yeah. him in like one round. Yeah, yeah uh, and he's outperformed all that. Like he's a guy who fights up to his competition as well. But that train's got to, like that train ride has got to end at some point. Gaethje, it's an old feeling 34, you know, that, that he finds himself right now. And and I, I agree with you. I think this will be a wild fight for a while, but Fazeev's fresher chin, greater precision, probably greater poise, even over the newly somewhat calmed down Gaethje is going to end up uh, serving him well here. Uh, I think, I think this make, makes it to the third round. But, uh, you know, Fazeev will find that chin, put Gagey down, and he's not going to get back up. Give me Fazeev by third round knockout. That brings us to the main event of UFC 286, a welterweight title fight between Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. Edwards, the 31-year-old Englishman, is 20-3 and with one no contest overall. He is 12 and 2 with one no contest in the UFC. He is on an 11 fight unbeaten streak since losing to Usman in their first meeting all the way back in December of 2015. That run saw him win 10 fights and uh, fight to one no contest against Bilal Muhammad. He, of course, fought most recently at UFC 278 last August, where he took the title from Edwards with a head kick that almost certainly turned defeat into victory for him and uh, changed the entire tenor of his career. He will look to retain that title in their trilogy fight as he takes on uh, the former champ, Usman, 35-year-old Nigerian-born American uh, training out of Colorado, is 20-2 and as a professional mixed martial artist. He is 15-1 and since uh, joining the UFC out of the 21st season of The Ultimate Fighter. He won his first 15 fights in a row in the UFC, saw him win the welterweight title, insert himself into the conversation as perhaps the greatest in the history of the division before running into Edwards last August. Now, a half a year removed from that shocking setback, he looks to gain back what uh, I'm sure he thinks is rightfully his. Once again, he is a comfortable favorite to do so. Usman, going into this fight, is minus 240, Edwards plus 190. For reference, going into their first fight, uh, Usman closed at minus 350, Edwards around plus 300, uh, for those curious at home. So the odds have shifted slightly in the direction of Edwards, but not as much as you might think. Keith, we've been doing this show long enough that we did the preview for... uh, their uh, their second fight last August. We did the recap afterwards. Obviously, I remember both of us were just buzzing for as late as it was. You know, we no, just no. couldn't. No, no, I wait. Was, no, I was I was on vacation. Wait, we must have did it with somebody else. I'll have to look back at the the recap for that. Maybe like, did I just do it solo with like the gang, or did I pull in somebody? Wow. Uh, okay, I for <laughs> as late as it was, could not wait to get on the stick and just talk crazy. about, yeah, I mean, what a historic moment it was for, for yeah. MMA. It, it felt like one of the, the biggest moments I, I'd seen. I, I was at a bar in Williamsburg, Virginia, and the entire bar was like going nuts. This isn't the one where you ran into Jade Bunk, is it? Like our, 
our listener? No, no that was okay. when I was in uh, Hawaii. That was um, uh, Volkanovski versus Korean Zombie. Okay, gotcha. So a uh, l- little less surprise in, in that one. Yeah, no, but I, that was actually when I met the. That's actually when I met the horse trainer. Oh, and and uh, got to see the horse, the race horses and stuff. But yeah, it, it this will go down. Is this this some moment? But anytime you're not watching at home, it's easy to remember where you were. But that said, it's it's one of those places you're always going to remember where you were when that happened. Yeah. Like I think about things in MMA, and I'm not compared to like big things in the world but like things that mma like i always remember being at my friend's phil's house when uh randy gotor landed that big punch on tim sylvia i think about chael sonnen versus anna silva and Sil's comeback outside of applebee's in coventry rhode island you know mm-hmm. this is right there you know one of these holy shit what did we just see it it really was, and that kind of obscures the fact that we were sixty seconds away from it turning out exactly as you and I had predicted. Mm. C- competitive fight where Usman probably wins four rounds out of five. Yeah, like I think that was both of our call on the preview, and we looked smart for twenty four minutes. Uh, yeah. I guess the question is, and I'm flipping, going to flip this to you for your. Uh, uh, for your take on the fight, but anytime we see a big upset in a title fight, the question immediately afterwards is if they fought 10 times, how many times is it turning out that way? And was this a replicable path to success? Whether we're talking about Pena versus Nunez or, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. if, if Leon Edwards kicks him in the face again, yeah, he'll probably win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, give me your, give me your take on this fight. How different do you feel about it than the first time they fought? Let me ask you this. Who does the UFC want to win? Usman. Yeah, I'm not, I, I I would say so, but I don't think it's as much as it was in the past. I, I think they want him to win because of the going from three African champions to no African champions. Mm-hmm. I think getting that back. Um, Edwards doesn't help. I mean, even when everyone wins, he still is not selling himself that much. Honestly... I mean, his moments on the mic afterwards was pretty good. You know, like it was, it was at least like kind of heartfelt sure, and, and memorable, but no, like he's, he's not, he he's afterwards. not visping. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's okay. Like it's, it, I mean, it's, it's not for a promotion. You want someone with a little more personality, but it, it is what it is. Like he, that's him. Yeah. He's just a great fighter. Like, and, I, and I mean, you asked, I, I think the UFC would probably lean Usman, but I don't think they feel super strongly either way. British champions are great for them to have too. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And being in Britain, if I just imagine, imagine if say I don't know, Edwards won somehow last time, and then this time was Usman was the whole time, and then Edwards kicked him in the head. So say like what we just saw happen last time happened this time in England and the card. Like, could you imagine? Oh, the place would come unglued. Yeah, and, and we already know. Like, I, I'm as a pro America as it comes. Like, I, I, I bleed red, white, and blue. You know, that's that's me through and through. Even though I married a Canadian, uh, <laughs> that's conquest, baby. Foreign yeah. aggression. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I like like capture the flag. I ran to Canada, gra- grab the flag, <laughs> right back. Uh, but I'll say this: like, no, nobody compares to European crowds. 
like the English, the Irish, the, like those crowds are, are way better crowds in America. And I've been in some loud arenas. I was, I, I remember being at Boston when uh, Calvin Cater and Sh- Shane Burgos were beating the piss out of each other with that kind of Boston New, New York rivalry thing going on. And Cater hit that uppercut. I was seeing bear flying all over. I mean that that was incredible. I was, yeah, I was in New York with Adesanya and and. Pahaya and the comeback. Like I've had some big moments, but nothing's like those crowds. They they they're fantastic. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine if Edwards did something like that there. Oh my gosh, it'd be insane. Uh is as far as do you want to go into the XOs, or you want to talk about this a little bit more? Uh I mean, I'm fine unless you've got any other kind of big picture things you, you want to talk about. I feel like they've under this this has not been marketed. Now again, this we're taping this just before fight week and I feel like that a lot of times I feel like, wow, this is not really that market. And then fight week comes over and then I start getting a little text from my friends and everything. And in this case is, is a little different because we're coming after John Jones two weeks. I get that. We, it was a dude. It wasn't a great move. Like it did this card a disservice. You said it off the top that we were having two pay pay-per-view cards in, in two weeks and a pretty high level fight night card in between them. Yeah, you know, with a title eliminator on it, this this fight has had no time to marinate. No, and honestly, th- this weekend they're they're battling against other things. The obviously the NCAA wrestling tournament will be going on. The finals will be going on when this is going on. The is college basketball right? The, yeah, first weekend of the college basketball tournament will be mm-hmm. will be you know, what will be uh, not the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, the, yeah, the Sweet no. No, to get into the Sweet 16 will be going yeah. on. So, like, the round of 32 will be going on. So, this things they're going to be battling against. Um, you got to have the fan that they're just not going to buy two pay-per-views. This is what's going to happen. And they're going – everyone I, – I don't. I doubt very few people say, like, all right, I'm ordering one pay-per-view. View. I'm taking Edwards and Usman, even though it's a great fight. And they're going to go with the return of John Jones. That's what happened, <laughs> you know? Um I also think like Kamar Usman has not helped it because he he did his like Ronda Rousey thing. He did his or his Connor after his Nate Diaz. Like we haven't seen him and heard from him. He's been gone. Like where is he? Yeah, he's 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 really withdrawn from the spotlight. And Edwards hasn't really stepped any further into the spotlight. Is he any bigger a star now than he was? Uh, you know, a year ago. I mean, the only thing you you could say about Leon Edwards is welterweight champion Leon Edwards. <laughs> That's the only yeah. difference, you know. Um, so as far as the X and O's, I'll start with the champion, Leon Edwards, which he's well-rounded. He's a Southpaw who, uh, like when you watch Leon Edwards, nothing jumps out to you, but then you're like, then you watch him fight and you're like, well, there's not, he's just solid everywhere. He, he moves well. He does really well. Like I love, he's very technically sound. Like he's his first line of defense. I say about Leon Edwards is just not being there, which is uh, which is the best side? So, foot, footwork. Uh, he understands range well. He's an accurate kickboxer. He uses feints well. I mean, he, he's always good at like dr- setting up feints and drawing attack. And then obviously, what we saw his his KO win over Usman was set up with a feint and then throw into a spot where his opponent's going to be. Uh, strong head movement. He's a stinging guy. Like he's going to sting you with his shots. Uh, not like one and done, but. Uh, and he's he's 
he's good at setting up his entries with his wrestle. Now he got out wrestled for Usman for long periods of time, but he officially got to take down Kamaru Usman, the first guy in history, though. Any anybody who's ever watched wrestling would know that Kobe Covington did get a takedown against him. But regardless, uh he showed like one question, like, oh, he's not a good wrestler, but like, well, who's he wrestled? You know what I mean? Like he hasn't gone against a strong, powerful NCAA wrestler, but that's not the case anymore. He took down Kamaru Usman. Uh he he's a very big guy. Like, there's not many guys that can you know, match Usman's muscle in the clutch. Now, again, I, I still favor Usman there, and, and we saw big portions of that, but just to have moments of success in the clinch against Kamara Usman is, is it's a good accomplishment. If he gets on top, good ground and bound, good top control, uh, strong cardio. Like even even I mean, we talk about it as like this Hail Mary, perfectly timed. Whatever however you want. I don't want to say Hail Mary because it, like it was obviously skillful. It wasn't luck. I, I didn't mean like that. But I mean like it got to the point where he had to start swinging for the fences. He had to go big. But to go against Kamara Usman and to be wrestled as much as you were, be late in the fight, 24 minutes, 25 minutes in, and to still f- muster up something enough to set up that, to be in that in that moment where you can understand what's going on, see the feints, have the cardio t- to still muster up that much power. Like That's something that was not talked about. Us. It's like That's a cardio thing too. Well, yeah, it wasn't the most bond burner fight, but those we know how – Wrestling, grinding, how much that takes out. It's not the most exciting thing, but it it takes something out. Um, so and one thing he he was losing that fight, but he was never like really hurt. Like one thing we talked about, like Nate Diaz buckled Leon Edwards and, and almost took him out. Like it was like, wow, what happens when he goes against someone who could goes to make a crack? I mean, we, we've, yeah. Kobe Cover doesn't give compliments to anybody and he even him like that that moment where it settles down for a second he's not in character he talked mm-hmm. about how hard Kamaru Usman hits and he was a little gun shy in the second round and we didn't have that with Edwards he was never rocked now move over to Usman it, it's tough to change my notes from the last time because like he's I still feel the same exact way about him as I did the last time I, I felt like he was a really incredible fighter who who zigged when he should have zagged. Like, that shit happens. He's a huge welterweight who's, like, deceivingly long. We've they've talked about how long his arms are, and uh, he moves well. He's got good cardio, good output. He's very physically strong. Uh, he's a guy who gets stronger as the fight goes on. We saw that in this fight in the first time with the first the, – you know, the first – I'm saying the first time, the, the first championship fight. I know they yeah. fought – like, like forever ago, but you know, he was getting stronger as the rounds were. He was pulling like the first round was close, and then he got a little edge in the second round, and the third round he got a big edge. Fourth round he's really pulling away. Fifth round it's like, oh my god, what a, another performance from Kamara Usman. We're matchmaking. Who's going to fight next? Is it going to be Shemayev? Or you know, we're trying to figure out what's going on with him. Uh, he uses his long arms really well to keep his opponents at the end of the strikes. Uh, he's really developed a very good jab. His straight right is good. Um, he's got these power shots that he does really good at wraparound defenses. Uh, I like that he targets the body. Um, he, he's really good at following his strikes, his long-range strikes, like a kick up the middle to follow in to get to that mid-range where he really likes to unload. Uh, as he has power, I mean, he's he's knocked out Kobe Compton. He's knocked out Gilbert Burns. I mean, he knocked Miles Vidal. I mean, he... I mean, say what you want about Mountain. 
that knock on Masvidal, like it changed his career so far. You know where yeah. he was, you know the be- guy that was considered one of the best boxers. To suddenly he's he's a completely different person. A uh, ton of 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 teep kicks. He's he's had moments like other than this knock. I mean, Gilbert Burns hurt him. Kobe Covington, but he found moments to dig deep and, and gather on. And then obviously his bread and butter is his extremely strong grappling department. Um, I always go back to like when RDA had him in a Kimura and he just lifted him up and got out, which is which is insane. Uh, he's he doesn't shoot. He's definitely like a more. Uh, he reminds me of a like a Greco Roman or not a Greco Roman like a. A heavyweight wrestler, the way he wrestles, like a good one, but uh, snatch singles and using his legs. And now he can shoot and he can drive his hips, but he, a lot of times, it's just to get a, get a guy up, you know, get his leg up, push him against the cage, have him balance for a little bit, wear him then, get chest to chest, wear him then, eventually drop down to the hips. And he likes that grimy, wear you out kind of thing. I mean, when he's chest to chest and you're pressed against the cage, I mean, it, it is one of the most dominant positions for something that doesn't seem like it's going on, but that's exactly where he wants to be, and he's winning it. He's kicking your kicking your leg. He's kneeing your leg. He's he's batting your ribs. He's annoying you, hitting you with the shoulder. Then he then he drops you down. Uh, I mean, you saw what he did, like Tyron Woodley in that position, RDA in that position. Uh, he's got a strong mindset where he. He gets a position, gets him down, holds him down, uh, makes you work. If you're trying to get up, he's grabbing your wrist, he's twisting it, he's 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 making you work every little ounce of energy to get back to, to your feet. And he understands that he, you're getting frustrating. He's getting stronger. He's staying on top like glue. Um, and then he's got the cardio. Like a lot of guys want to fight that way. Kamaru Usman has that cardio now. As far as the prediction goes, in a, in a weird sense, even though he got knocked out by Leon Edwards, I feel almost more confident picking Kamaru Usman this time than I did the first time. And I was very pick, confident taking him the first time. And the reason why, I, why I'm saying that is, it, you know, the first fight with Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman, you couldn't count that at all. Like You couldn't analyze that at all coming into the second fight. This one you can. So we knew that that Leon Edwards made huge improvements over the years, but it was like, well, how is he going to face with Usman? Now I know how it's going to go, and I know Usman's going to win those positions. And give me the guy that won, what, 21, 22 minutes of a 25-minute fight. Uh, I am a little worried that Usman might be gun-shy, being that he first – Time. I mean, he wasn't just – it wasn't a TKO. He was out cold, oh. waking up, what the hell happened, don't know, didn't know he got kicked yeah. in the head. Like, you know, like, last The, the photos probably, were alarming of him just, like, staring up at the lights, just yeah. dead to the world. Yeah. I, I mean, the best – the last thing he probably remembered was walking to the cage. <laughs> like, it might yeah. have been, you know. Um, It depends on what he's going to do. Is he going to stay on the outside and really avoid? Or maybe because of that – in the fifth round when he was trying to strike, I think we might get even more of a boring fight where he's closing distance even more and grinding even more, trying to be on top and clinching and wrestling and clinching and wrestling. And I think we're going to have a boring fight. I think Kamar Usman is going to look a lot like the second, third, fourth round of that fight uh, where he's just wearing on Leon Edwards. Give me Kamar Usman to win a unanimous decision. I think he's going to win all five rounds, and he's, he's a champion once again. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> in order to, to win this fight, in order for Edwards to win this fight, as far as I can see, one of two things w- would have to happen. He would either need to catch lightning in a bottle again, like he did in their most recent meeting, or he, yeah, he had lost all four rounds and they were getting more and more lopsided, but he had enough left in the tank, had enough presence of mind to launch a fight ending technique. And I'm, I'm totally with you. It was, it was not a fluke and it was not a hail Mary. I mean, it was urgent, but it was something that he had been setting up at several points throughout the fight. Like he'd given Usman that same look a couple of times and finally he let the other shoe drop there. I'm not going to say he drew it up that way. Like nobody goes in to the gym and on the whiteboard, they're right. I'm going to get my ass kicked for 23 minutes just to make it more dramatic when I head kick him. Like that's not what people do, but it says a lot that he was able to do that. One of his routes to victory would be to, to do something like that again. And if he does, he becomes a whole other kind of MMA legend for one thing. Uh, and Usman gets a little bit of like, yeah, fool me absolutely. once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me to take back to the drawing board. Yeah. The other way Edwards wins this is if Usman is different. He could be. They very well could be. Usman is now 35, and 35 is an old, old for welterweight, but he is a guy that visibly obviously sure. has an incredible weight cut. It, it sounds he's like he's, he, I met him in person. He's a big dude. He, and it sounds big arm, big everything. Yeah. And it sounds like hubris now because he lost the fight. But remember that leading into that fight, he was talking about, well, I don't really want to fight a fellow Nigerian. So I might just jump straight up to two Oh five. Yeah, yeah. And that didn't that didn't age well since he got like no. TFO. But in terms of just physical bulk, it wasn't that far out of the like no. it wasn't completely insane. Like he he's a huge dude. So if he fought a two hundred five, he, he he yeah he'd be smaller. But it's not like I wouldn't. It wouldn't be shocked if he won the title there. I, like, yeah. I'm not picking it. No, but, but it. There are there are top ten light heavyweights in the UFC right now that he beat. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like he, he I, even though, well, okay, I was gonna I was gonna say someone this like like Volkan Ustamir, I, I, I fear more Volkan Ustamir. Yeah, I think he get takedowns on him, or I think he yeah, could just so jab him to death. So I, do I. I, I mean, I, I bet his reach, reach is longer than Ustamir's. It might be. Yeah. Anyway, at thirty five, with an obviously like precarious weight cut. And who knows, like, who knows how he will have responded to this loss psychologically. There's a possibility that he's like, I'm going to do this again, only harder. And I'm not going to make that one mistake. Good. Or there's the, all the kind of other dreams I had are out the window. And I'm not fully checked in here and him becoming a semi recluse over the last seven or eight months it, it's either really encouraging or really discouraging, and we don't know which it is until uh, until yeah. he shows up in uh, in England this this week, and I, we kind of get. Are you worried about his chin at all? I'm not terribly worried about his chin. I, yeah, it, yeah. it is possible that somebody's chin can just break once, but I'm not either. I'm I'm not terribly worried about that. So, 
if it's I mean, if it's not that, if if Usman isn't badly compromised, then what's what's Edwards got? He either has to hope for another just incredible split second of offense, or he has to stop Usman from doing what he was doing quite successfully in that fight. Because yeah. I doubt Usman's overall game plan has changed much. His game plan doesn't change much for anybody. He's the ultimate impose my will fighter. Like, you know what he's going to do, and he'll make slight adjustments based on your style, but the basic tool set is always the same. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Usman beats Edwards worse than he was beating him last time without the shocking uh, reversal of fortune at the end. I'm, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say. I'm going to ask you a question afterwards. I'm I'm not picking uh, the finish. Edwards is incredibly defensively sound. Yeah. And while he was losing the fight, he was making Usman work for everything. Like the wheels had not fallen off his wagon. Uh, but give me Usman in a pretty dominant decision here. Let me ask you this. We keep talking about the changes Usman has to make. What if what if Edwards is going back to the drawing board and he's the guy saying, yeah, I'm going to land at this high kick, but I'm the one who needs to change my strategy. And we see a completely different strategy from Leon Edwards. Maybe he goes, yeah, I had huge portions against the cage where I'm losing. And he's like, you know, the outside of the cage, like the kids play the floor is lava and he's he's coming out. He's picking up the the output. He's throwing more shots. He's throwing more kicks. He's he's. He's really stressing a, a heavy kickboxing game. Maybe we maybe we see a completely different Leon Edwards instead of a different Kamar Usman. Who knows? I would be fantastic. I would be. I mean, I'd love to see it just because. Otherwise, like you said, I think we're in for not the most exciting fight, and we're going to have no. one hell of a frustrated London crowd. Yeah. But if he comes out and all of a sudden he's like rocky the second time he fought creed and he's like all lighter and leaner and faster and used yeah. all his footwork and uh if that's what we get i'm always interested to see how kamaro usman and trevor whitman deal with different looks that they get i'd love to see it but it would still require him to prevent usman from doing the things he does for at least three out of five rounds and that's a hell that's a it's a hell of an ass yeah i mean Edwards already has good footwork and good reach, but it's really, really difficult to stop a good fighter from just getting his hands on you and physically clinching with you that wants to. Yeah. Especially if he has long arms and he's super strong. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And Usman is like the only guy Edwards has ever fought that's like physically stronger than him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's still like kind of close because normally Edwards is the bully. Like I, yeah, as, as long ago right. as like 2018, I was like, I think, I think Leon Edwards is the best British MMA wrestler there is right now. Oh yeah. I, I, I thought it after he would just mauled RDA. Cause I, I was there for that one. <laughs> it might be Mikhaev now, but yeah. 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 He's a Dagestani. It doesn't, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, anyway, uh, if he comes right, out right, the- right, right now, sorry to interrupt you. Right now, there's a uh, there's some Scottish person like, oh wait, wait, he's Dagestani, but uh, Casey O'Neill's Australian. What is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to see a surprise in this fight, whether it's another shocking finish or just a completely different look from one or both of these fighters. But I, I can't imagine Usman saying that. 
anything other than I just need to do what I did last time, just a little better. Yeah. And Edward saying, well, I need to set up as many opportunities as possible to get in a moment of offense like that earlier than 24 minutes into the fight. Yeah. You know, if, if, if Edwards has scared Usman with some moments uh, of offense within the first couple rounds, all of a sudden it's a more interesting fight. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I'm actually excited now. <laughs> I picked oh. it to be boring. Yeah. I'm, I picked it to be boring. I'm pretty excited now. I, I'm, I'm excited. I use the word boring in a very relative sense. Yeah, of course. Like, like I will take a tense fight between two of the best in the world over a slobber knocker between two heavyweights that are gassed after same. five minutes, but you know they're fighting for 10 more because they're too tired to finish each other. Yeah, same. The, yeah. the boring parts in MMA is still more exciting than the most exciting moment in golf. <laughs> like like you know, golf, the Masters, or the golf, whatever this championship, and there's some big, oh, the putt on the 17th hole or something like Boring clinch battles is still more exciting than that. Yeah. I expect we'll get a lot of them and uh, a lot of them tonight. Any other thoughts on this one? No. All right. That has been the Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC 286, Edwards versus Usman 3. I have been Ben Duffy. He has been Keith Schillen. If this is your first time listening to one of our previews, first of all, thank you. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We do our best to bring a mix of actual analysis and the occasional story time or comedy time. But please do like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Uh, Keith and I both man the comment section on the YouTube page, and we're definitely happy to hear from you if you think any of these picks are completely wild or you have a huge upset pick of your own. Make your voice heard. But most importantly, join us on the recap. We are live on the SureDog YouTube page, usually about 10 minutes after the main event, where Keith will take the captain's chair. We will cover all these fights in reverse order. We will start from the main event, go all the way down to that women's flyweight opener, talking about what was good, what was bad, what was surprising, what was controversial. There's always something. And the live chat on the YouTube page is open that whole time. So we are taking your questions, your comments, and your hot takes in real time, answering them on the air. We have a growing community of friends that come and hang out with us after the fights, and we would love for you to join them. In between now and then, thank you once again for listening. Hold on, hold oh. on. First of all, thank you for listening. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, do all that good stuff that yeah. all the other podcasts beg to do, we never do. But please help us out. That helps out. But by special request, me and Ben will be doing a preview show for the NCAA wrestling tournament where we're going to purposely put on an MMA spin on it, uh, being that we know this is the Sheridog YouTube. And so people want an MMA, you know, MMA and wrestling mixed together. So make sure you check out that. It's going to be coming out this week before the NCAA tournament. Yep. Uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy the fights. 